Hello, Tome Show listeners. This is Sam Dillon, your Tome Editor, and the DM of the D&D Brief Podcast. D&D Brief is now going to be hosted on the Tome Show Network. To find back episodes, search under the Actual Play tab at thetomeshow.com. As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to D&D Brief Session 15. I am DM Samuel, and I am your host this evening, and I'm here with my awesome players. Matt, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us who you play? Hello, Happy New Year. I'm Matt. I am playing Konos, the CL Warlock. And Nina? Hello, um, I'm playing Emeryn, who is a human Tempest Cleric. Awesome. And David? I play Axley, the Halfling Bard. And Karu? Hi, I'm playing Marcel, the Lutrinian Sorcerer. Okay, so who wants to do a recap? Who's got notes? Does someone take notes? Yeah. I did. I, I, I did a thing. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Nina should be the one to recap this one. <laughs> yeah. um, so we started with the interrogation of like our live friend and our dead friend, the goblins. Um, yeah, and it was mostly just difficult to get kind of straight answers from them. They were both kind of saying things that we'd already heard before, but that we don't really know anything about. Um, But um, we kind of were just deliberating on what we were going to do. And Emran sat down and (laughs) activated one of the lenses and kind of took a look around that laboratory and found her mother in uh, being held hostage there, essentially. And so now we're kind of debating on what to do. Uh, Tadius came into play at one point in time, um, kind of talked to us about like closing the gates to the green plateau to open the blue plateau and like the cube and different things like that. Uh, but we found out that she was on the dark plateau. And I think we were kind of discussing using the curiosity to get there. Um, Konos also has a gate spell that we don't know if it's a use once only type of thing. So that's kind of an issue, but it's also an option. Um, and then we also have the cube that has all of the symbols of the plateaus on them. But we were just kind of in the middle of deciding. And I think we kind of went with the curiosity at the very end. Um, anything else? There was also, well, Konos was essentially told the Hoka chief that, you know, he was honored to be considered you know their new leader but he wouldn't he wasn't going to take up that mantle at least not right away because we were trying to essentially save other parts of the other world as well as their own island and it was this we we're realizing you know this is more and more just connected so the things we're seeing on their island we've seen in other places and we're like well it's a good idea to try to stop this elsewhere before you know at least before for him at least before he kind of returns and maybe settles settles here uh, yeah. with the Hoka. Uh, yeah, we talked a lot about different types and ways of traveling between between planes and whatnot. Uh, there's like about, it was a really good like metaphysics type of, type of world building session for that. Yeah. Um, we did learn, I think we, we did like speak with dead on the dead goblin. We got some, I think we did get some information out of there as far as like the lenses and the gates and whatnot. Um, and then there was some nice discussion about the amulet that Marcel had have been wearing and yeah. some some shenanigans and trickery kind of having to, deal with, <laughs> having to do with that. And there was uh, one other thing, right? Um, when uh, Axley went back to the ship to uh, retrieve the rods, he saw that there were seven other ships next to your ship now, but they're uh, apparently Hakka longships. So that was a bit of information that 
might end up being important. And then we basically were deciding whether we were going to like try to go rescue Everin's mother, depart for Calport by some some method, or go back to the temple to deal with the sort of howling creature that was trapped in the coral there. And I think that's what we were. Last one is kind of what we were leading towards. So that that's actually where that's the question of the hour. Then is what are hmm. you what are you going to do next? Does anyone have any idea how travel between planes works? Like if you open a gateway that takes you from one plane to the next geographically, do you appear in the other plane in like geographic synchronicity with where you are now? And then say in that other plane, you travel hundreds of miles and then you open a portal again and go back through. Do you go back where you started from or do you go back where that place, where that now new point corresponds to back to the, your other plane? I think that depends on what kind of magic or what kind of items you're using to create the portal or the, the gate or the ladder. I know there's like about three or four different terms from, from plane to plane to plane. It may, it may depend on what plane you're trying to go to as well. I know the spell I've got, um, as, as supposedly it will let me go with like pinpoint precision to wherever I, like if, if I want to go to exactly a certain place, we'd wind up in exactly that certain place. Other spells, and I'm not sure. Hmm. Like we don't have, like we don't, we don't know for sure, like like what the cube would do. We don't know for sure what the curiosity would do. It's it's one of those things where we pretty much have to just try it and I think see where where we wind up. And then okay, well then we'll know. And we have to try something consistent, I think, because if we mix two different methods, it's likely we're going to end up somewhere we didn't plan on being. Because like if with your spell, if we teleport direct, and then we use one of the other devices to try to get back. I would think it's likely we're not going to directly come back. We're going to since we're somewhere now in a totally different location will the planes will link in a completely different place. Right. And then we'll be stranded somewhere else. Right. We kind of agreed. And Tati has had the suggestion, the advice as well, that, you know, if we were going to, if we were basically use the gate spell to make our way back. So that way we can control for sure where we're going to wind up. And as, as far as getting, getting to whether it's the blue plateau, the dark plateau, wherever we kind of rely on one of our other methods and, either try to learn as much as we can or just hope for the best. Well, I think we should try to go on a, a, at least attempt the rescue mission because we know that we have this fleeting opportunity potentially to try to get a couple of things. One, to rescue Emran's mother, but then also we want to get to that laboratory to maybe find some information, find out where it is, what's there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The book of, oh, was it not book of passages? It's started either with a P or a T. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we could those- test things out with the curiosity. My, my question yeah. for uh, the gates belt would that include something like a moving ship? I've been wondering about that. Um, <laughs> how, like, like how wide? How wide is our ship? Because what it says it does is it literally just opens a portal uh, that's like I think twenty feet wide. So if you're thinking like we sail the ship right through that. Uh, yeah, you can, the portal is circular. You can make it up to 20 feet in diameter. and you can. I don't think our ship anyway. fits through that, but I don't no. think we want to take our ship because the other side probably doesn't have water. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yep, good point. I know our plane is flooded with water, but I don't think that necessarily go, is going to be the same on the other plane, especially <laughs> if the water came from another plane. Uh, and didn't we also kind of think that from what we learned from the information about the planes – it seemed like the reason potentially why our plane is flooded was because someone like popped a couple drains into the water plane and let all the water drain into ours. Yeah. Yes. I think that's our, our working theory right now. 
honestly, my suggestion would be to use the curiosity to do a bit of testing coming back and forth, see how it works, because we don't know how the curiosity works. We really mm -hmm. haven't tested that out. And go to the shadow plane to see if we do have the 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 rod to guide us to where Emron's mom is. And then my other thing was because my one suggestion was to have the ship start heading to Calport without us. If we can make it back and catch up with them afterwards. And that kind of, that's where the whole, how does the curiosity work when switching planes comes into play? Because if it's going to bring us back to where we started, then we're going to be here on the Hawkeye's Island. And our, I don't think the curiosity is fast. So that yeah, we'll yeah. have no way to catch up to them. Yeah, I think we should just tell the Hakka to hang out here. And our intent is to return here as quickly as we can after we complete this mission and then all depart together. That way we're not sending everything all over the place and then have to figure out how to... Yeah, because the only other suggestion I would have is we go with the curiosity and then use the gate spell to pull the curiosity back to the ship itself using the ship as your... Landing point. The, yeah. Because right. if, but if we're only going to, like, that's the big thing. We don't know if this is going to take a day or a week yeah. or how time passes between no. planes. So there's also, and there's also the, the matter of, you know, the coral altar back, back in the temple here. If we use the gate spell to return to the ship and that's been sailing for some time, then we're quite a ways away from, from, from here. And I know True. I, and I've, and personally, I've wanted to deal with, get that resolved before we, at least before we depart for Calport, but I know that time is pressing when it comes to rescuing Emmerin's mother as well, so I don't want to... Mm -hmm. uh, the altar is is a concern for me, but it's also not going anywhere for the moment, so... That's true. And we also said that we wanted to deal with the, the altar because that way we know ahead of time what we're facing. As far as the nine howling creatures, and that's supposed to be like one of the little ones. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, was someone asking how fast the curiosity goes or yeah. you're saying you don't yeah. know how fast it will well, translate between it? planes? Well, we haven't tested the planes, so that's kind of fair or how it works in terms of where mm -hmm. it pops us out. We kind of have to test that on, on our own, but yeah, I feel like we would know exactly how, how fast it is in the water compared to our ship, at least. Cause I'm pretty sure we've tested it out by yeah, we did. We did sail it away from the pirate ship, so we do have at least an idea of of how fast it goes. At least Axley and I do. Yeah. And is it a reliable, real reliable, long distance form of transportation, or does it have only have a limited range and then has to stop? I think we figured out that it had something like an operational time that you could use it. I was going to say I'm looking at my notes, and it's I think that was the underwater. only thing. Yeah, the only thing I have written down is ten hours per number or. Er, over the number of people. That's, that's the amount of, of air. air. Yeah. Air, yeah. yeah. That's the only thing I've written down on it. Because it's going to have to crawl across land, most likely. I mean, like, we're not counting on there being water yeah. to travel through. I mean, it would be nice to know what the speed in water is anyways, so that, like, should it come to that, know if it's faster or not than our ship at full sail. Uh, so, so if it's not on the ship, can it keep up with the ship? Can it catch up to the ship if it's behind, etc.? Oh, we know I, it can fly. I was going to say, can it fly? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. it can yeah, fly. But, but, yeah, but I limited. I mean, for not a long definition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fly it all the way to Calport, but for short bursts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I'm sure that making it uh, swim was is probably fine to go to Kelport, but I'm just thinking I don't know how far we have to go to get to the tower once we switch lanes. And I don't know how fast it is on land. But these are all things that we're probably going to have to test out. Yeah, the only thing you really know is how fast it is in the water and how much air it has in it, which Imran was correct. It's 10 hours of air divided by the number of people. Um Two and a half hours of, no. Yeah. yeah, two and a half hours of air. But then, you know, you just go to the surface, you pop the top for a few minutes, and it refills, right? right? Yeah. Provided you can, you know. <laughs> or you just somehow go along the top of the water, and then you don't have to submerge it. Entirely. Right, right. You just keep the air intake open. <laughs> we were also worried about, you know, if we're traveling to the dark plateau, are we going to have any kind of weird effects that are just going to be coming on us just by being there if we stay inside the curiosity that would sort of protect us from that so it's like an open air submarine so, so to speak mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm sure it's not that bad it's just a bunch of shadows right <laughs> that's why it's called the shadow plane it just has bad lighting that's all it is yeah there's no sun maybe that's it there's no sun and well it's the dark plateau Dark plateau. So, yeah, see, yes. no sun. See, it's just a flat area with no with no light. You know, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's Conus, nothing else. No Conus, other problem. Conus is used to that from all the deep sea diving he's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're fine. It's just dark. Right, so, are we in agreement that that's that's our top priority then? I think that's the best way to, to yeah, yeah, try to get yeah. Okay. I, I think I think we take the curiosity for a ride. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you're not going to go back to the temple? Going anywhere? Yeah, I think we can wait on that. I think yeah. I'm gonna say we tell the Haka not to go in there just yet without us. Yeah, I think we did tell them that. To okay. be fair, okay. yeah, maybe keep a few people have a people. Well, I would, I'd ask them maybe have a few people stay near it just to keep an eye on it, just make sure no one else goes in and out of right. it. I just want to remind you of a point that um, that Marcel made. They said, "Well, it's possible because you know that there are a specific number of these dogs. It's possible that." And then you know there's a big one because Bolam told you that it's possible that destroying the smaller ones will weaken the large one. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I am definitely like I want that thing dead. I understand that Emmerin is a bit distracted right now with her mom, <laughs> but we're gonna have to come back here and destroy that thing before going to kelp. Oh yeah. That yeah. <laughs> okay. So, what's your plan? We're gonna grab the well, curiosity. We- we have to well. Let's gear up. We get all our stuff. I mean, let's let's yeah. not just abandon the Haka. Let's tell them that you know to wait for us. We'll be back as soon as we can. We're going on a rescue mission, and we'll return to this point because we. I, I assume the intent is the extra boats that showed up. They're going to travel with us. They they plan on traveling with us to our destination. You don't have any idea because nobody asked them. Nobody okay. Well, I guess we need to do that. We need to figure out. We we. I guess we should have. Hey, uh, Conos, do that. Yeah, yeah I'll. I'll make it. I'll make inquiries about what the. You know, we are grateful for the assistance that your fleet has given us. Are they here for? Are they? Are they to? Are they to journey with us, or are they just to? Going to stay here. Konos is asking. Yes, I'd ask the, their translator to essentially talk to their chief. Uh, so, um, the council met and. The chief uh, expressed to them that you declined to take the leadership role. Um, so they they met, and you'll have to speak to them to find out 
uh, why. So they're like in meeting right now. They they met and then that's when they decided to bring the boats out. So you'll I don't mm-hmm. the translator doesn't know what what the basis of that decision is or what the plan is. Can I get an audience? Can I have an audience with the with the council to learn more? Um, sure. You or all of you. Oh no, this is fine. All just me. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, they usually want to, um a few minutes to prepare. So. Okay. Meet back here in say fifteen minutes. Okay. Because okay. remember, there's still a feast going on. It's still like oh right the yeah. morning. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's right. Uh, Emmerin's gonna come. She's restless and curious, so she's gonna join you actually. Okay. So while this is going on, can I can I get the curiosity out of the ship and take it over to land and just practice like moving it on land and see how it moves, how it how what its speed is, how it. How okay. it moves, like like take it over to another side of the island. Um, you can. Are you telling everybody that's what you're doing? Yeah. Are yeah, you gonna absolutely. Are you gonna do it in front of the haka? Uh, no, that's why I want to take it to the other side of the island. Okay. Uh, is anybody going with Axley? Yeah, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's gonna be a great. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. Um, so while Konos and uh, while Konos and Imarin are waiting for the council to form. Um, Axley and Marcel go back to the boat. So when you go to the Curiosity, you find sitting right on the chair where the operator would sit, that Mm -hmm. lovely, lovely sword. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, without touching it, we'll just gingerly move it to the side. How are you going (laughs) to move it? Put it in the corner. I'll, um, I'll put, uh, I guess, pillows under it and lift up the pillows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're not wrapping it up. You're just sort of no. cushioning yeah. it in. Okay. Uh, you're just going to put it in one of the corners? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, do you, did you bring the box of rods with you as well? Yeah. I think I don't think anyone has their rod. Or rod. I think we put it all back in there. You well, have you, the you, have, you have the rod of seeking, right? Yes. Because it's telling you the rest are in the box rest are in the box okay yeah. well, we've been carrying that around because that's how we got Taddeus when we were in the Hakka village right right okay um i just want to know if you brought it back to the ship or left it in the in the Hakka village okay uh so you move that you move that sword over um and um actually i need you to roll me a dexterity saving throw the okay. dc of 12 Okay, let's see here. Uh, I rolled an eight, and then what do I add? My, my dex bonus? Um, no, it's a saving throw, oh. so there should be a... I mean, it depends on if you're proficient with dexterity. Oh, saves. saving throws. Okay, yeah. plus, yeah, so it says plus five, so that should be so. 13. Okay, uh, so you passed. Okay, um, as you set the, the the pillow down with, the, with that sword on it, mm-hmm. um, it... The sword itself moves and it tries to go into your hand, your hand that now has the symbol burned into it, you know, because you used your sword. I haven't used my sword. Okay, so, uh, but you, but you, but you attuned to it. You didn't yes. use it, but you attuned to it. So Correct. you have a, you have a something in your hand. It tries to like move into your palm. Okay. <laughs> so Nina's like, oh my God. <laughs> Um, I didn't know this. this no one knows this because he hasn't yeah, been. No, uh, 
Um, so, so, but you're, you're fast enough that you move away and it doesn't actually make it to the palm of your hand. Naughty, and naughty. Once you, once you've moved your hand far enough away, it stops sort of moving. Okay. Um, okay. So now both of you, uh, so. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> the sword moved. Didn't you see it? Yeah. Why did it try to go for you? I think it did. <laughs> That's why I don't. Want, I don't want to pick it up. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I think we're all in agreement that it's a bad <laughs> idea to touch that thing. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's kind of. We're kind of cursed with it. It's kind of. A, it's along for the ride. I don't think we're getting rid of it. No, I don't know what it wants or why it's sticking around. Yeah, this is the only cursed item we have. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Sure. Mm. Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> Um, so we're taking it for a ride. Uh, I don't even remember how we supposedly took it off the ship or put it on the. Oh, right, it can fly. The sword? It? You mean the sword or the curiosity? No, I was talking about the curiosity. Oh. Yeah, it <laughs> no, flies. We, we we fly it out of the the hold. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's what we do. Yeah. To see what this thing can do. Wait, if we're flying it out of the ship. The Hakka are definitely going to see it anyway. Are there Hakka on the, like... Um... There are Hakka bringing back provisions to and from the island mm-hmm. and the boats. So, in fact, if you... When you go down to get into the Curiosity, which is, like, down in the main hold of your ship, you see that that thing is stocked to the gills with mm. crates and barrels of provisions, fruits, mm dried fruits, vegetables, some kind of weird salted fish thing that you've never seen. And like all, all of these like goods are in there. Uh, and you see them, they're bringing back goods to and from the long ships as well. Yeah, I think they're definitely planning on going on this journey with us, but they just haven't told us. Either that or they're planning to leave this place possibly. Like, well, we'll see what Konos figures out. But uh, they're going to see us take this thing off of the... Yeah, so I, well, I guess we can't really communicate with them, can we? To tell them to not be alarmed. Curiosity has like an invisibility button. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really useful, just invisible. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Just start pushing <laughs> buttons. <laughs> what could go wrong? Um, we can just see what they say. I mean, it's not like we're using it to attack them or anything. They know we're allies. What could possibly happen because they see we have this thing. Uh, so are you telling them anything? Um, could I could I use major illusion? It's a 20-foot cube. Would, that, would the curiosity fit inside it? Um, the curiosity is... Let's see how big it is. By the way, Karu, um, your, sh- your character sheet's now appearing back on D&D Beyond. You might be able to get a copy of it at this point. But I already made a new one. <laughs> But but I already fixed it. Damn you. Uh, yeah, it's a large, technically a large object. So mechanically speaking, that means it's it fits in a basically ten foot by ten foot cube. So okay. So all right. So I'll cast, I'll just cast the spell at sixth level, making it look like just a seagull. And that way it'll, it'll stay until <laughs> a, this a giant ten foot seagull. <laughs> that might no, scare no. them worse. <laughs> no, just a tiny seagull. <laughs> okay, a regular size seagull. Normal size. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you make yeah, a, a giant fifty foot seagull made of fire? <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you using? Major illusion. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm inclined to make that work, but I am curious about uh, Karu's question. So, Which one is what? Uh, uh, if can you, you make, make it appear smaller? Because oh. I feel like that could be abused with like, yeah, I'm going to make this giant look like an ant. <laughs> I don't yeah. need invisibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, D&D Beyond is not loading for me at all. Uh, you want, okay. I can get screenshot for you. Yeah, it's okay. I have all... Uh, mechanically, the only thing I was not sure of was the meta magic. Uh, twin and empowered, yeah. So, But if that won't work, then I'll just make it look like a flock of seagulls, roughly the same size. Flock of seagulls I mean, uh, basically all you're doing is creating something to block the, their view from the actual um, apparatus, so the, the actual, the actual apparatus, curiosity. Yeah. You're not turning the curiosity into something else. You're blocking its image with an illusory mm. item. So I'll let that happen. That's fine with me. I don't. I'm not inclined to say no. That's a that's a good use of that spell. I think it's okay. creative. So okay. So you're going to fly out of the ship mm-hmm. and into the water, or you or what? Yeah, we'll go into the water and then go around the island, just so that we can get some test piloting under the water, and then we'll pop out and look for a stretch of beach or something where we can do some ground piloting. Okay. In crab mode. Okay. Um, so you all start to do that. So let's let's go back to um, to Imarin and Konos. The council gets ready to talk to you, and uh, in the translator comes to you and says they're they're ready to see you now. I'll go on in. When you go in to talk to the council, you see five Haka there, and um, the Haka that you have seen up till now have all looked basically the same they all looked basically the same age i mean it's hard to tell for you because they're not like you they're humanoid in shape but pretty much every other aspect of them is completely different from like a human um or a sea elf or you know whatever but you can tell with these five individuals that they are old most of them don't have a lot of teeth they're Hides are um, dull rather than shiny and iridescent like the other haka. You know, the other haka, the way that their coloration is when they're swimming, they are shimmering. So they almost are invisible when they swim because of the iridescence of their of their scales. But these these five individuals are so old that they no longer shine. They have no iridescence left in their scales. And they are obviously just flat out old. The chief was not old. The chief was regular. But the chief is also in the room. So there's actually six people, six Haka there with you, plus the translator. And when you come in, they all bow. The one in the one the one in the middle of the five old ones starts speaking. Of course, they're speaking Haka, and the translator tells you that um, they're giving a traditional greeting that they give to honored guests, and then they translate it for you. Uh, and then they say, you you have asked for this audience. What can we do for you, Keeper of the Coral? The, there have been several, Hoka, several of your vessels have been docked near our, near our ship, and we see that they have been very generous in helping repair and provision our, our boat, and I thank you very much for that. We, both, we all do. Are they to come with us after we depart, or will they stay here with you? The, the elder... Uh, members of the council, they kind of look over at the Haka chief and they say, well, 
the the Hakka are um, the the Hakka have a tradition. It's obvious that they're they're having a hard time explaining this to you, um, and trying to find the words that might explain to you what's actually happening. But basically, it's like this: their tradition is that the entire clan chooses a leader. And once that leader is chosen, uh, that leader stays the leader for as long as they are an efficient leader and effective and all that stuff. And there's also a council of elders that provides guidance and advice and, you know, training and everything to the youth and all that stuff. Um, But the long and short of it is that when you declined to take over, many of the young Hakka um, basically said... Nope, you're you're it. We choose you as our leader anyway, and in, informed informed the Hakka chief that uh, they're going to go wherever you lead them. All right, I think to Emran. Well, we've got our army now, whether we want them or not. <laughs> I who am I to who am I to say no to the to the youth of tomorrow? Well, as as it is. <laughs> We do have to. We do plan to depart for a short time, but we would be returning here. Are there any of your people who have any knowledge of the Dark Plateau? Uh, they sort of talk amongst themselves for a minute, and um, they really don't. Um, it's uh, they their um, their conception of the Dark Plateau is all about underneath the ocean. That's what they. That's the other plane that they think about, which is obviously so. When they start talking to you about it, it becomes obvious to you that it's not the same. That ref that reference name is not the same for them. That they don't they're they're obviously not talking about another plane. They're talking about another place to exist, which is under the ocean. All right. All right. Well, I can promise you this: we will return. We will help you know sort out the matter in your temple here, and I promise that I will not betray the trust that the younger Hoka have placed in me. Um, I don't think they'll let you leave and not follow you. Okay, then they should know that we are first plan to travel to a very dangerous place, and it they, sh- they should know as much as possible before they make that choice, then. They shouldn't just blindly follow me. Um, you can take the translator with you, and you can tell them yourself. They, they have been in they have been, they have been told by the Hakka, the, the chief, that they are free people, so they can do what they choose. But you have declined their leadership role, so there is a debate now within the council about whether it's um, a dishonor to you to actually not uh whether it's a dishonor to not follow your wishes of declining the leadership um so yeah it's uh they're, they're sort of in a little bit of disarray but basically um the they tell you that you can have the use of the translator uh for as long as you need it all right um <laughs> and believe me i did not i had no intention of causing this rift within your within your society it's pretty obvious. I mean, you you don't get any sort of animosity or anything from them. They're not showing you any sort of like they're not upset. They're they're just they're just telling you facts. 
Okay. As far as you can All right. tell. Okay. All right, then. Well, um, Amarin, is there anything you wish to ask our friends here? Otherwise, I think we should be on our way. All right. I will we'll take our leave and we'll ask the translator to accompany us. And now what? Are you going to speak to the people? Um, if 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 actually still if they're still doing their their test piling, I think we'd, that's something we'll have to do now. They are yes. So let's let's go back to them actually. Okay. So you're in the water and you travel around the edge of the island to, in an attempt to get out of sight of the the active the activity with the ships and all that. Um, and you get around to the side. And you see on the other side of the island, I mean, you're sort of going around the side of the island, and you see that there is a clearing in the, in the, in the jungle area, and you see that there are um, a lot of, there's a lot of movement over there, and so I, so are you floating on top of the water, or what are? How are you traveling right now? We're cruising under the water. Okay, the, it, and then your idea was to get to the beach and go up onto the beach. Yeah, so pop up and kind of look around, and find a spot that looked good. Okay, and so if we don't see a spot. Keep going underwater. Okay, so when if you ride, you know, you go for a little while around the edge of the island, and then you rise up to the top and you kind of look mm-hmm. at the beach, and the beach has a flurry of activity on it, but the activity is. Um, not Hakka. It's some, it's obviously not Hakka because the way the creatures are moving, but you're not close enough or sure what they are at the moment. Should we move in close and check out what it is? Marcel? I was muted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go Just, check this it might out. Be, this might be a problem for us and the Hakka. So yeah, let's see what this is. Uh, so you move a little closer and you get almost to the beach and you see a bunch of those furry, fluffy, green creatures that you saw at the very beginning. You see them all uh, foraging right at the edge of where the beach meets the trees. And then after watching them for two or three minutes, they're pretty peaceful. They don't seem to be perturbed at all. They obviously see you um, because when you sort of float it up to look at them. Disturbs the water. Yeah, and they sort of look over and they kind of freeze, you know. And then after a couple minutes, they they just start their regular activity. And then after about two or three minutes, all of a sudden they dart away and they go. They all spread out, separate, and go into the jungle. Okay. Uh, what, what furry creatures are these? Are these just like little, like kind of like jungle wait, monkey? They're little oh. f- four-legged. Like they look almost like a little small. Mixed between like a raccoon and uh, like almost like a, a kiwi, you know, the flightless bird, the okay. kiwi, almost like that, except they're fluffy and green. Oh my uh-huh. god, I love them. <laughs> um, they are they are a variety of creature called a pelker, which is native to the planet that you're on, uh, and their fur. The, there's very various different types of them, but their fur is often considered very high quality, and it. Uh, sells for a lot of money, at least. Did we see the Hakka using their like that kind of fur for their clothing or anything like bedding or stuff in their nope. village? Mm-mm. No. Okay. So they don't even bother. God, they don't even touch these things. Right. No palker slippers running around. <laughs> uh, I guess let's just stay. Let's just stay still and and see what maybe disturbed them. Yeah. Can we try looking around? See 
we can spot what's sure. Uh, you want to roll a perception check? Ooh, I have natural twenty. Um, you look in some of the trees. What did what did Marcel get? Seventeen. Okay. Uh, you both can. You're looking sort of at different areas, but you look into the trees, and these are typical like jungly, tropical island types of trees. They have very broad leaves. They're very tall, and their trunk usually doesn't have much on it until you get to the top. Um, and they often have, you know, different fruits and whatnot hanging from them. But you notice um, that some of the fruits up in the top of two or three of the trees, they're starting to, uh, like, shake and move as though they're going to fall down. Um, but as you see that, you're looking at it, and instead of falling like, like a coconut might fall from a really tall coconut tree, you see that the... Um, the roundish thing bursts and a bunch of fluids and whatnot come out of it and spray out and slide down the tree and all that. And then you see a little blue head look around and start to climb down the tree. And as you look around, you see that start to happen and you see three or four of those. Are those goblin eggs up in the trees? Is that what the, I'm seeing? I'm seeing. Did, didn't you see those in the ship? That's is what that? It, what, does it look like the same things that were hanging from that's, the? That's what it looks like to you. Yeah, that's what it looks, how, that's what they look like. The how many the are we seeing? You only see three or four, but you're only looking at a couple of different trees. Okay, so it's not like there's a cluster of trees with them. It's like one tree over here has one, and then one tree over there yeah. has one, like yeah. really spread out. Okay. Right, but remember, you're looking at the edge of the beginning of the jungle, so you don't know yeah. behind that what's happening. Yeah. Oh, is this island boy. infested with blue goblins? I mean, they came from somewhere, right? But we didn't see that many in the in the no. temple. Uh, I, I told you we should have dealt with that freaking <laughs> altar first. You think that it's maybe making them? No, but it's going to be a lot harder to deal with the demon dog if we have an army of blue goblins helping yeah. it. Um, <laughs> I mean, we... do these things hatch from their eggs fully ready to fight and... <laughs> Matured. Mm, you have no idea, but uh, with your perception checks, uh, when you look down, when, I mean, when you look at it climbing down, it's pretty, uh, it's obviously not like adult size. It's mm. a small, it's not like a baby, okay? But it's like a very small runt little goblin. That's what they look like. Uh, but you could see as they're climbing down the tree, they're like, they start gnawing on the tree and you can see all these little bite marks. And um, it's obvious that they are pretty ravenous right now. Hey, the Ashley. local wildlife knows enough to run away. So they've encountered these things before. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's time to figure out how fast this thing can fly? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, mean, I don't think a couple of minutes is going to make a difference as to what's happening here, but we have to determine a course of action as to if we're going to leave these things to continue to hatch. I, I don't yeah. think we're going to be able to eradicate them. I think we have to maybe assume what's causing them and try to. Well, at the very the least, we can tell the Hakka that, hey, their island might be infested with blue goblins and maybe they should leave. <laughs> <laughs> they well, are preparing their longships, anyways. Maybe they should just scour <laughs> the trees and pop every little egg they find. Just, just burn the whole. <laughs> Never mind. We're not going to burn, burn it down. <laughs> nope. I have issues with fire. All right. Let's uh, let's see if this thing can fly fast. <laughs> well, we're here to do it to check out its movement on land. So let's do that. And maybe go into the jungle and see if how many of those eggs there are. And then if, all right, if, fair enough. I don't like somehow, this idea, but let's do a little recon <laughs> so we know we have information to go back with. Okay. Can't we do that while flying overhead? Well, no. We, we need to test out the weapons too. <laughs> 
This thing has weapons? Oh, yeah, it's got pincer fire. <laughs> okay. So let's try it. So while you you start walking onto the beach, um, and let's go back to Konos and Imarin real quick. So uh, what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll find the, the biggest gathering of Hoka around either around our ship or around the hut we've been staying at and okay uh he'll he'll begin to um he'll begin to address them and use use the translator to communicate and he'll say uh my friends i am honored that you've chosen to so when you when you start talking and and the translator starts translating out loud you see that the crowd suddenly hushes and they all they get quiet and and the ones that aren't quiet you see the other ones sort of giving them motions to make them get quiet. And then a couple of them whistle and you see others sort of running over from the different areas. And so there suddenly there's this really, really large gathering of Hakka in front of you. Um, my friends, I did not seek leadership in your tribe, but nevertheless, I am honored that you are placing your trust in me and my friends. I will honor that trust as best I can. I should tell you that our goal um, is to stop a person named Larowak, who is trying to build an army to attack this world from, from another. To We've seen that he has been responsible for the damage done to your temple here on this island, and we believe he has caused several other damage to other places that we are trying to sail to to stop and to, to stop his plans. We plan to sail to Calport as part of this, but first we need to travel to the a place called the Dark Plateau to rescue the mother of our Captain Emerin, who he is holding prisoner. And then we will return here to the temple to remove the creature that is there and cleanse it once and for all. From there, if you wish to stay here, you may do so. If you wish to follow us, we will gladly we will gladly have we will we will gladly enjoy your company. If there are two or three of you that would feel, I would not ask you to, I would not ask you to risk your lives on the, the endeavors that we are going to be undertaking. But if there are any who wish to volunteer, maybe two or three of you, we would gladly welcome your aid. And then we will take as many who wish to follow us to Calport uh, when we do sail as wish to come with us. What say you? Um, so after the translator finishes the Hakka all are looking around at each other and nodding and making noises of what you're perceiving as affirmation that they understand uh, what's happening. Um, one of them asks, when, when are you going to this dark place? As soon as, as soon as possible. We have a means to get there that is coming here should be here hopefully sometime in the next, I don't know, hour or so. Uh, but, but from there, we will travel. We plan to travel there immediately. I should also point out, we think this will be a very dangerous uh, expedition. So if you don't feel comfortable in your own strength, you, it would be safer for you, for you to stay here. Uh, there's a lot of murmuring after that. Um, and then uh, they basically say, uh, the volunteers that will go with you, to the dark place we'll meet you we'll prepare and we'll we will meet you on the beach okay are you taking your ship we we're not taking our we're not taking our great ship we're taking a smaller one one that is specially one that is specially designed to travel from one plateau to another this is not this will not be an ordinary an ordinary sea voyage that to be accomplished by a boat or 
with the winds or with swimming. This is be a different. This will be a different journey. Okay. They all bow. Every single one of them. He turns the bow as well. There's about a hundred haka there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do lean yeah. over to Konos. Do you think we're all going to fit in the curiosity? I say back no. That's why I only asked for two or three. <laughs> You might have to throw Marcel in the cargo hold. (laughs) (laughs) It's bigger on the inside. It's like a TARDIS. Um, uh, So, uh, Marcel and Axley, you are now crawling on the beach. To be quite fair, I was waiting for the curiosity to, like, come in, like, during that whole speech. Oh, make a dramatic dramatic entrance, yeah. (laughs) I was waiting for it. Huge crab-like thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a ride. Oh, no, we're gods if we do that. Uh, So you're walking along the beach, and you, uh, it's, it's, um... Not the fastest, most graceful type of uh, item that you ever feel like you've seen move, but it's not horrible. Um, it has a 30-foot walking speed, um, and remember, it's relatively large, so it has four legs on each side, so it, it moves quite a bit like uh, a lobster does, um, but it's on the beach, and it's large and metal. Okay. We're and not getting this past the tree line. No, if we get up to it, maybe we can see how badly infested the trees are with those things. Fair enough. I mean, if they're if they're if if, the, if there's a lot of them infested all the way to the, the tree line, then that's a good indicator. It goes much deeper. Um, I mean, it has two claws in the front. If you wanted to try to move away some foliage and walk in, yeah, I, mean, so. I, mean, I need to practice with it anyway. So, yeah, I just uh, don't know if you want to take the time because if this thing is thirty feet, this island is pretty big. It took us an hour. Now yeah. to get to uh, the the one place, the temple, yeah, the and temple. that was using the the water elemental as kind of a taxi. Mm-hmm. So if we're using this and this has the same speed as a normal humanoid, then slow that down with having to cut its way through foliage. It's it's going to take a while. I I would honestly suggest we try and see how fast it flies and just to figure out what we can in terms of blue goblins yeah i'm just trying to i'm just trying to explore the blue goblin thing and find out how big the infestation I mean, we could, is we could we could go like for a bit like go for a minute uh walking into the tree line and see what we see and then we just fly it out yeah that's the plan i'm not planning on traveling through the jungle for two hours okay so like 10 minutes in is that what you're Something like yeah, that. Yeah, like five, Fair, ten minutes. Maybe in. not even that. I mean, just okay. just going in a little ways to just look at other trees beyond the first ones okay. we can see. Okay. Um. So you move in, uh, and it's pretty dense for the first couple hundred feet. Uh, but then there is a large clearing, and surrounding the clearing is this set of trees, and every single one of them has these things hanging from the top and you can see several of the trees already have um goblins climbing down so you stay there for about five minutes to get a good idea of exactly how many that you see these are not just goblins but there's eggs hanging from the trees also that we're seeing right are these basically like what we saw in the pirate ship yes you count between 25 and 30 eggs amongst the trees some of them are hatching. Some of them are still growing. Okay. Are they in reach with the claws? Can I just start? They're tall. They're so up, of, uh, like, basically up 
tall coconut trees, probably 10, 15 feet up. Okay. Isn't well, the curiosity like, 10 feet? Yeah. Could we? The claws are at the bottom. Oh. All right. What we can do is we can put it in a fly mode and we can take off from here. And as we go up, um, just I want to I at least take one back. I want to clip one of the ends <laughs> and take it back in the claw. <laughs> Just to show everybody, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to show everybody what's going on. Yeah, let's clip one as we go up and out. Okay, so it's going to be really hard to drive that to fly it, and use the claws to gently clip one of those off without destroying it. Well, isn't there a way to just put it in like a hover, like just just go up and stop for a steady stationary while we grab one? Um, maybe. That's what I'd like to try. Okay. Um, so give me a, I suppose, give me a dexterity check. Uh, 10 plus, if I get to add my bonus, it's plus four for 14. Um, okay. So you get this egg off and now it's kind of hanging from this claw by this nasty, goopy, snotty, oozy material. All right, let's head back. You're going to fly back or you're going to walk? Will, will it be faster to fly back if you just direct? Well, yeah, you don't we'll actually do. you don't know how fast it can fly cuz you've no. never then done Let's find that. out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so uh to find out how how are you going to find that out? Do I mean, are you going to like punch it and hit the accollerator? Are you going to yeah. try to oh, gently oh, wait, go up? Wait, what wait, are you wait, wait, what what well, are you well, trying yeah, to do? Well, yeah, gently, but <laughs> But I mean, we need to be clear first. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna yeah. go up, up, up until we're out of the jungle, clear of the jungle. Oh, you're gonna fly up, not forward. Yeah, because no, we're in uh, the, we're going up out of the clear. Ah, uh, okay. So you're gonna go up above the canopy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Uh, we're not that reckless. <laughs> I mean, I, I, no, I'm not doing the the Are you sure? bike through the through the trees. But... No. Okay. Don't, don't Ferris Bueller this, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you go up. And um, so here's the problem. It's hard to figure out how fast you're going going up because you don't have a good gauge of that in your brain, how no, fast but... something goes after you reach the canopy and you go over the canopy. Now you're just in the sky. Right. But can't, so... we, can't we still see the trees below us? Sure. Yeah. yeah. But you, you don't have a reference for the distance, so it's hard to figure out how fast you're going. And you start going pretty darn fast. So it only takes a couple of minutes and you are really far up. I mean, we're not going, we, we said we'd go up above the, yeah. the, the, the tree line, right? Right. Yeah. Slowly. Um, and once we and clear then the once, trees, then start going forward. Then we go forward. Oh, now you're going to go forward. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought you were just going to keep going up to try to see how yeah. fast it would go. Okay. All right. I, so, I don't want to find out how space works. Well, I guess what I'm saying is you're not going to, you're, you're, you don't hit the maximum speed before you get above the canopy. I mean, to yeah. get to get to the goblin egg, you were already right just below the canopy. So you're only going to yeah. go up a few more feet to get yeah. above that top canopy. So you're yeah, not gonna going to find the maximum speed going but that what way. About when, the oh, we go forward. Lateral when we speed go, is what I mean. So when lateral. you go forward, do you yeah. are you punching it? What do you how are you doing it? You gotta no, tell me I mean, how you're doing no, you it. Don't, you don't, okay. <laughs> I, I wanna be I wanna be a good a good fifty feet above the canopy in the vertical before we we stop and start going forward. And then okay. we start going forward. It's just a, it's gradual. I wanna I wanna start going forward gradually and then faster and faster and faster and then kind of 
make be able to make a decision. Okay, this is a good speed to hold or try to go faster. Like you know, you don't you don't just you you, you don't just step on the gas all the way to the <laughs> yeah. floor with your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see how it's fast like, this it's thing like goes. Learning, it's like I basically have a wide open parking lot. I want to just start right. accelerating. Well, and then, I, and then. so what I'm responding to is you said you wanted to know how fast it goes. That's the goal. So, I don't mean by stepping on it, Max. I mean, like you know. So if you. You get to a decent cruise. Okay. By the time. Okay. So you can't figure out how fast going above the canopy because you're too close to it. So you go above it. So you don't hit maximum uh-huh. speed. When you go forward, you're yeah. only a few hundred feet from the beach. So you don't hit maximum speed that way either. But we're not going to the beach. We're going yeah. to go to the Hawka village. Direct to the other side of the island where the okay. ship and the village. I need Imarin and Konos to roll me a perception check. <laughs> God. Oh my God. <laughs> no. I can't wait till the moment I go, okay, punch it, and suddenly we're in Calport. Twelve. You both hear a rumbling. What what's that? You hear a rumbling and it sounds like it's coming from like the tops of the trees all around you. It's really hard to know like what direction it's coming from. Um, And it's getting louder and louder. And then all of a sudden you see a big tin can with legs and claws fly through the air at a high rate of speed. And it just goes past the Hawka village. <laughs> oh my god. You passed it, you passed it! Okay. Slow down, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it. in human terms, you probably hit 60 miles an hour, actually. Okay. Now, you don't, that that's not a meaningful, like, terminology in sure. this world but that's about like you you were going fast yeah that's faster than a horse can gallop right? yeah so you were, yeah so yeah you're 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 going fast and you okay. passed <laughs> you overshot the Hawka village <laughs> okay we'll slow it down and turn it back around and then take it okay. back and we'll go land it on the beach the beach uh, by the ships yeah Okay. I guess. <laughs> wait, don't they have like a? Oh wait, there was like a hundred haka in the village. All right. Yeah, yeah we'll it's a hundred haka crowd. Yeah, and they're all now looking up. <laughs> they're like, but they didn't do anything. They did not respond because Konos and Imarin just sort of went, "Ah, oh, crap." <laughs> you know. No look of, of oh no, we're under attack. No, it's just oh yeah. Oh, it's that. Uh... <laughs> So that's that was so that's that. I look at Kodos, I'm like, well, I guess we should catch up. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, I'll just say, everyone, stay calm. That is the ship that will be taking us to the dark plateau. I'm sure it will be landing any moment. Um, why, don't, why don't those who are coming with us follow us and start making our way after it if we can? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you you can see it sort of turning around and coming back to the beach area. Would enough time have passed between when, you know, when they departed and when they're now returning? Would that have been enough time to do a short rest? No, it does not take an hour. It's okay. like really quick. Well, I mean, they're going to the beach, and the Hakka village is, remember, a mile from the beach. Okay. So, um, I mean, if you're going to wait for them to land and come get you, then yeah, there's probably enough time to do a short rest if you want to. Mm, should. Um. So, what do you want to do? 
Yeah, I'm I'm continuing to move uh, move towards curiosity. Okay. All right. Um, the Haka are all following you. <laughs> oh, wait, all hundred of them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> you get out. Back over. You get. I lean back over to Konos and I say, I think we might have to put both Axley and Marcel in the cargo hold. <laughs> <laughs> you you get out to the beach and the curiosity is has steam coming off of it. Oh God! Do we so, see? We'll open the hatch. I mean, we'll open the hatch. Yeah, open the hatch okay. and okay. pop out. And is the, yeah, is the, the gooey uh, egg still the, in the, the outside? Box? The outside of the curiosity is like warm. Does it look? Does it look damaged? Uh, not really, but it's steaming and it's hot. Okay. okay. There is uh, an egg still on the claw, but <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like fried on. It's like stuck on to the claw. <laughs> so what? What do I? Why do I think it's hot? Is that just from exerting energy in the in the course of being used? It's, it's yeah, not. because remember to fly out of the ship originally when you stole yeah. the curiosity. Yeah. And you did steal it when you stole it. Mm-hmm. You, when you when when you acquired it, <laughs> you when you turned it on, you heard the sound of like almost like a like a combustion, like fiery uh, something, some source of energy in the rear of the unit. I okay. go up to Axley and ask, well, what did you figure out? This island has a serious blue goblin infestation. <laughs> see see that egg on the claw? It's kind of a little fried right now, but there's... <laughs> well, we, found a, we found a clearing that has... An, we don't know how many, but many trees we saw had these eggs hanging from them, and we saw blue goblins hatching out of them. I mean, there's more of them here. Yeah, and, and who knows how many are hatching every minute, and what's the cause of it? How far approximately from the village are they? So, uh, Marcel and Axley, as you are having this conversation with Imran and Konos, you see all of the haka pouring out of <laughs> the jungle, and they surround the curiosity. There's about 100, 120 of them now. I resist the urge to yell, bow to your new god. <laughs> Just barely. Kneel before Zion. Oh, man. I'll, I'll, explain, I'll explain to the, to actually in Marcel that these are the Hoka who are, who have, who are, who will be following us when we depart the island. Uh, many of them have chosen to to follow us regardless uh, of the, you know, of the, of their, of their elders and their council. Uh, and I've asked for a few of them to volunteer to come with us when we go to the dark plateau. Maybe the rest can, can deal with this blue goblin problem while we're, while we're out, while we're, when we were, and then we reunite when we, we, re, we, That's not we reunite when we return. Yeah. From what we could tell, the ones that were being born right now don't seem as capable they look smaller they're hungry probably ravenous they're gonna eat this island out i don't know uh but maybe they'll sure they can deal with some baby blue goblins they they hide really well because they're up in the very top of the trees and the eggs that you can spot hanging but the blue goblins they're kind of hiding up there eggs and leaves all right then I will have the have the translator inform the the Hoka about this discovery, and say you know take what take what steps are necessary to defend your the defend your island defend the village from this threat. Um, all the Hoka want to come with you. There will not be enough room for. 
there will not be enough room for all of you to come with us on the first journey we will make. Once we return from that, we will gladly take take you all in our great ship, as many that want to come, or in your own vessels. But for now, we can only take a few, two or three at most, within, in this. Doesn't that swim? It does swim, yes. But the journey we will be going on is not a normal journey. It was not it won't be like going it won't be like swimming through the ocean it will be it will be like magically appearing in a different world entirely one that your boats or your best swimmers could not normally reach can't we hold on we it's don't pretty hot that's we don't yeah. know <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> i mean they're, they can, they're gonna end up being more of a liability <laughs> i just look at the, i just point at the cooked egg Hot. <laughs> yeah, this will not be a. This will not be a. This is this is going to be a dangerous journey. Um, that's why I said you know only maybe your two or three strongest should should accompany us with this. Once the rest of you, I need you. I need the rest of you to stay here and to deal with the blue goblin problem. Once we return, we will take as many that want to come forward with us on our next journey. You will have to choose who comes with you. Okay. Everyone volunteers. Okay. Um, do I do I see like two or three that look especially strong or capable in this in this crowd? Roll perception check. <laughs> okay. Oh, we need to go communicate too. <laughs> Seventeen. Uh, do I do I see Jubo or Stead among the crowd? Um. Yeah, Jubo and Stead are both in the crowd. Okay. Before I, Kono says anything, mm-hmm. sorry. Emran's <laughs> gonna grab him by the elbow and be like do we even want to involve them because honestly this is something that is personal to me and i even feel bad dragging all of you in on it like this might be the end of the line like this isn't going to be something that's easy it's not going to be safe i'd feel bad even bringing along two or three more people they may end up being more of a liability than a help if we because they don't know they don't know what we're going to do. They don't understand how we're going to do it. We can't really communicate with them easily. They're the out of their element. Yeah. The more that we talk about it, the more I feel like bringing up the gate spell for a minute, getting in and out is almost better than trying to navigate through. You bring up the gate spell. I'll go in with the lock, the chime, grab my mom and get out. So how are you getting out? I don't know if the gate will... The gate maybe one way trip lasts for a minute. What if we get delayed, or if it's a one way trip? I mean, you're gonna have to get to the cage, get it open. That's that. I mean, if you get trapped there, that's a that's a, a problem. Really bad situation. I, mean, I, I think we should it, try it, to get there, at, all of us with our, as much capability as we can. I think we got a, a good plan. I just, I think, yeah, I think we should tell the Hawka to just wait, and we'll be back as soon as possible. Because I don't even think taking a couple is gonna be helpful. All right. And and I'm, Aaron, I understand. I appreciate your concern and not wanting to risk other people's lives. I I had the same fear with uh, with the coral in the temple. But I my my reasoning is that you know a few extra people. This is going to be dangerous, and a few extra people might make the difference between whether between success and failure. And we don't want to have to make it a double rescue operation if somehow you don't come through the portal right. and we don't know what happened. We'd have no potentially have no way of getting you back. Now we're all coming through anyway, and now in a different way. I'll think to Emerin, my concern with the gate spell is if I open it, they all go through. They all follow us through. <laughs> that's <neat. laughs> so, That's why I want as many of them as possible to go deal with the blue goblins. Gotcha. So 
But if you want to just do it with with the five with the four of us, then I'll respect that. I mean, I almost feel I I don't know how useful they're going to be, and I don't feel like this is their fight. Okay. All right. I will. I'm gonna try something. I will. I will ask the translate. I'll have the translator in, say, "I want Jubo and Stet to lead all of the Hoka back to where Marcel and Axley found found the Blue Goblins. Deal with that threat. In doing that, you will, they will prove to us that they are worthy to follow us. That's how they'll. I have that's, spoken. <laughs> so so saith the master." <laughs> <laughs> um so you're telling Jubo instead or you I'm, want you want Jubo instead to te- to lead them back to that I, place I, I, I want Jubo instead to lead the Hoka to go and secure the island from the blue goblin threat that has been discovered take all of them and do whatever they need to do to protect the, protect their village and protect their island until we return and this will be this will be their proof that of their willingness to follow us Okay. Okay. The, the translator uh, tells Jubo and Stet what you have said. Okay. And uh, they sort of announce it to the rest of the of the group. And they sort of, some of them get really excited <laughs> and they sort of bow and they all start heading back to the village. Okay. Well, how are we getting? Thank you. Thank you. And then I'm going to... <laughs> do we want to take the curiosity through this or do we want to just go there in the curiosity and then use the gate to return? I think we should go through in the curiosity because it's our best chance of travel. Okay. We have to travel a long distance. Uh, does anyone need to get anything from the ship? Any items? Cause this is time to load up on whatever items you want to bring that we might not have. Oh, and by the way, we have a stowaway aboard the curiosity uh, in the corner. It's that dark sword that wants to come along with us. Uh, I, I put it in the corner. So I advise just leaving it alone. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe we just leave it there when we find a way to leave it there when we're over there. Yeah. That's how we get, that's how we I don't think it's going to like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> We'll see if we have an opportunity. <laughs> it did try to jump into your hand. Yeah, it, it kind of tried to uh, move towards me when I lifted up on the pillows. Okay, there was a neck. We had a, there was there was like a necklace with a lot of like large beads on it. Did we yeah, ever figure I, out what that? I've did? got that one. No, I have it on, but I don't know what it does yet. Okay, you have it on. Yeah, I've had it. Yeah. Okay. What else? We have these candles. We don't yeah, know the black they candles. Do, they seem to be like a ritual. We should probably take those. Might as well, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, all, the, the, all rods, the rods. You know. Take a bag of holding. We yeah. also have the chime of opening with us. As well. yeah, we're definitely, definitely. going to need that one. Do we want to uh-huh. take the cube with us just in case? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh-huh. it may be well, a way to that come might, back. Yeah, that might be our. Yeah, was there yeah. was there a face on that that corresponded to this plane? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Everyone but the blue. Okay, then yes, we want to any anything that will potentially <laughs> let us get back here was is what will be mm-hmm. ran. Definitely right. taking the beans. Okay. It had a dark plateau, green plateau, common plateau, yeah. red red plateau, the door, and it did have a blue plateau. But that's the one that's missing a piece. Yeah. Yes. On that cube. So, what are you taking with you? I guess. What are we not taking? Is there? That's probably an easier list. Um, are we taking the? Sorry, someone already said this. The bowl with the water. Yeah, thing. definitely. I have the bowl. Okay. Yeah. So I have the bowl and the bag of beans. What about like the candles with the yeah, symbol should, of the house of Adrum? Yeah, we should take it. Do we? Well, I mean, we could st- just store it in the. I was going to say we can just put it in the bag of holding, right? Yeah. We yeah we do right. have a 
two bags of holding. Who had the bags of holding? I actually had one of actually. them. He had both of them. Well, I mean, I don't need both of them. Still have your magic yeah. Konos, why don't you take the second one just so we don't have everything in one? Okay. There. On one person. All right. All right, I'll do that. And yeah, we should probably put the magical items in the bag just in case. Uh-huh. Especially the cube, because if we get separated from the um, okay. from the curiosity, we'll need a backup way to go if not using the gate spell. Yeah, then then actually should have the cubes, since that way he'll he'll have one of the means of coming back if the curiosity is lost or whatever breaks down or whatever, and then I'll have the other. Okay. My thought was just we open the. It sounds like the from the size of the curiosity, we could open the gate and then just drive it right through that yeah yeah i I don't i wouldn't suspect it would be able to open a gate that it can't get through yeah it's 20 20 feet rate 20 feet uh well he's talking about his gate but yeah we'll we'll use the uh we'll use the whatever how we still haven't tested how it works uh how the curiosity switches so So we'll have to figure that out the curiosity just has five levers right and the the glow when you open that panel they're lit up and they have the symbols very much like that cube. So we still have we still have to see what exactly it does. Like if it just pops out of existence or something. <laughs> I'll take the uh, lightning jab one as well, unless anybody else wants you it. You will have to ask if we gave it to someone on the ship. Yeah, you gave it to oh. your chief harpoonist. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. Never okay. mind then. Never mind then. They might need it to stave off blue goblins. <laughs> okay. Never mind that. I don't think we have the ship over, <coughs> overrun with blue goblins. Nope, definitely, definitely not. So we're taking the cube, the wind chime, the bag of beans, the necklace, uh, candles, um, the candles, the bowl. Are we taking Tadius? Yeah, he's in the rods. We're taking the rods. Taking the rods. Are we taking the sword? I think it's coming along. I don't think oh, we're okay. not. Yeah. So sword already decided that. One. <laughs> Can we put it in the bag of holding? Or is that a terrible idea? Uh, we could try. I, uh, it might get mad. I think it's it's content where it is. I think we should just leave it. It's so, kind of obviously is making its will known of what it, so, where it wants to be. <clears throat> well, so the way that you get something out of a bag of holding mm-hmm. is you reach your hand in and say the name of the item and it goes to your hand. And we've uh-huh. been very careful to not touch that thing with our hand. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you put it in the bag of holding, you're probably not getting it back out. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a bad idea. We could try tossing it out of the curiosity, but I suspect it'll be right back inside once we switch. I think it will. Oh yeah, because <laughs> okay. that's what happened. Unless anybody, unless anyone knows Mage Hand. <laughs> nope. Nope. All right. All right. Well then, let's. Are you taking provisions with you? Yes. Yeah, we definitely need. Yeah. yeah. I also I also have like create food and water, so as long as we have like a little bit left over, I can keep like it's not going to be good food, but it's food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll take like 2-3 days worth of food for the four for five people since we're rescuing your mom. Yep. That way we don't have to worry and that'll fit in the bag of holding to be fair. Those are basically yeah. the refrigerator. Uh, a bag of holding has um also, well, it, it has an amount of air in it, so um, it's actually thinking about it. It will preserve food because the air yeah. will not cause it to go stale. On the other hand, it's gonna taste pretty stale, stale, tasteless yeah. because it that doesn't. It it also will. It, it you know, uh, bread has active yeast in it. For example, if you rob that of. Uh, Oxygen, it's going to not not going to be right. So, but it's edible. As as an aside, one of the characters in the first game I ever DM'd 
had a whole mission about trying to figure out how to put extra air in a bag of holding once the 10 minutes of air had been extinguished. <laughs> they made it their mission to figure out how to put air in a bag of holding that had no, run out of air. Nice. Did they ever, did they ever figure it out? Uh, I think they did eventually when they were like level 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've got all your provisions. You're taking all of your magical items. Anything Wait, else? We said, we said we were taking rations for five people. Right. Are we actually getting any carry-ons with the uh, Hakka people or did you get rid of all of them? No, they all left. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, never mind. We're good. Okay. I go. hop in the curiosity. <laughs> Uh, when you start climbing in, you notice that, that that sword dagger thing is on the main driver's chair again. <laughs> you go back over, Axley, your sword is ready. <laughs> hey, don't say it's mine. <laughs> it likes you, doesn't it? <laughs> I tried moving it last time. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Got it. All right. I'll, all right. I'll, I'll just take more precautions this time. I'll use... Yeah, can, can you help with your trident to like? Yeah, I was what I was thinking. Just like from from a distance, kind of like scoop yeah. it, lift it, and God. put it somewhere. Um, I'll use a sticker pole or something. Okay, so you pick it up with Bolum and put it back yes. on the. On yeah. The yes, I use Bolum to attempt to pick it up. No. Oh no! Okay. I've had Otto do this, shouldn't I? <laughs> Bolum says, "This isn't what I signed up for." <laughs> Well, don't worry. We're going where you want to go really soon. You're gonna get. You're gonna get what you wanted. Oh yeah. Are you gonna cast my gate? You're gonna take us in the gate. All right. Let's go. Let's let's go to the gate. Come on, gate, 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 gate. Let's go. All right. All right. Are you doing it? Come on. Are we ready to start this thing up? <laughs> All right. Let's go. Whatever that means. Uh, so you're. Uh, we probably we probably want to take it a little bit away from the the beach so that there's no one around the no haka around the ship when we activate it yeah or we could like take it out to under the water and submerge it yeah are you going to tell anybody on your own crew um, yeah. oh, that's a good idea oops. oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we went back to the <laughs> ship to get our stuff so oh did yeah, you did. oh i guess you did yeah you must have yeah. because most of it was on the ship um also you left a live goblin in the haka that's that's the haka's problem now <laughs> Okay. Um, so are you taking it and submerging it before you start fiddling with buttons or what are you doing? Do we want to do that or just take it to a blank section of beach? I think we just go to a blank yeah, section of let's beach. Let's go to a blank section of beach and see what happens. Yeah. I have a bad feeling this thing has like a finite amount of fuel. For flying, well. it, it oh, I'm definitely sure. does. Yeah. So yeah. like see what as close as we can, but as far as necessary. Yeah. We'll just walk it down the beach a little ways. Okay. And then what are you going to do? So there's no one around. Well, then, <laughs> well, from a stationary position, we'll look at the lever. So the lever just has the, the, the symbol on it, right? So when you remove that panel, you see yeah. a, a little compartment, and there's five levers. And they have, one has a stylized B and a wave symbol on it, and it's got a blue backlight. One has... A sort of looks almost like a book or the side of a plank of wood and a sun symbol, like an explosion type symbol. And it has an odd sort of letter that you uh, associate with the common plateau. Then one has like a picture of a tree and it has the, the, the letter symbol for the green plateau and it's green backlit. Mm-hmm. 
then one has the symbol for the dark plateau and it's gray backlit and one has this sort of odd almost plus sign with uh what looks like flames behind it and it's backlit with red and one has a picture of a door yeah so there's there's six little levers the sides are the same as on that cube that you have except on the cube they're they're picture puzzles yeah except for the the door door? the door is not picture puzzle but everything else i think the i think the door was supposed to play like normal no you're on the common plateau and there's a symbol for that oh Oh, okay is there they're all accounted for plus there's the extra one of the door right and and the cube doesn't have the door the cube has the door does but the the but the cube where the door is it's not a picture puzzle it's just the door symbol there's no because the cube is all picture puzzles, right? So yeah. you have to move the things around and slide them. I'm like standing behind, actually, like kind of <laughs> over the chair, like looking, and I'm like, maybe the door is just like the go button. Like you press a plateau and yeah. then you press the door, and it creates a, a gate. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Okay. Well, all right. So <laughs> sure. before we go, I'm gonna I'm gonna scrape off the egg that's on the claw. <laughs> I don't want to be taking any blue goblin along for a ride. So. Okay. Okay. I guess uh, so. I guess then we wipe, wipe we, the dead bugs we, off the windshield. We, we, we throw the uh, the dark plateau lever, and if nothing happens, then the gate lever, the door lever. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Okay. Right. So the- you press the lever with the with dark, dark plateau on it. Um. So you do that, and the uh the the inter the interior lights turn off. The exterior light turns on. All of the portholes close, the the metal panels close, except for the one front one. So there's one single small circular portal in the front, a a porthole in the front that you can see. Um, And everything goes dark. You no longer see the beach. You don't see a jungle. You feel like you're falling. You know that, that feeling you get? When you're driving fast and then you go down a hill and it's like yeah. your, you, your stomach mm-hmm. falls out, right? Stomach, yeah. mm-hmm. You feel that, but it's consistent. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you're falling down a bottomless pit. And even though there's a light, the exterior light is on, you see nothing. It's like being in the middle of the night with nothing around you and you're shining a flashlight and light travels as far as it can but it doesn't shine on anything. It's just emptiness. And then, um, yeah, go ahead. I was, I'll, I was going to, I'll quick cast detect magic and see if I can pick up anything magical coming in, coming from outside of the curiosity. Um, I'm thinking this is just how it travels through everything. Between, it's between everything is magical. Like every, everything that you see around you is just inundated with magic because the ship that you're in is magic. Oh, okay. I'm going to check the rod for the direction rod and see if it's pointing a specific, what it's doing. Nice. Uh, it's, it's still doing the smoky grayish, uh, and it's not pulling you in any particular direction at the moment. Okay. I'll just have it out and keep an eye on it. <clears throat> okay. As an indicator. Yeah. My guess is we're traveling. We're between planes. It's, this is the method of, this is how it travels between. Let's give it some time. Let's wait and see what happens. Okay. An hour passes. An hour. Yeah. So this is what happened after we pressed the plateau and then the gate switch, right? You didn't press the door button. We didn't press the door. We just pressed the plateau button. Well, press the gate button. When you look, when you we're going to wait an hour. When you look, (laughs) you're not going to wait an hour. Well, when you when you excessive amount of time. (laughs) When you okay, so how long? 
How long would you yeah. wait before you press that door button? Five to ten minutes at the most. Because I would okay. imagine something pretty immediate would happen. I don't think it would take an hour to, to travel. travel between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So within a matter of minutes, if nothing happens, then I think we should try it. Yeah. We should try the door button. Yeah. Because it just seems like the logical next step. Okay. During during those five five minutes or so, do we still have that falling sensation the whole time? Yep, entire time. Okay. What happens while we're falling if we engage the like fly mechanism? Are you saying you want to try well, I mean, that? I, I don't want to try that because there's nothing outside. <laughs> I, I think that it. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Bad idea. Yeah. Got it. Uh, you can try whatever you want to try. Yeah. Well, um, this is Marcel talking out loud and everyone else being no bad. No <laughs> yeah. So after, after a few minutes, we'll do the, the door one and see what happens. Okay. So um, as you press the door, you go to press it in. You see that it has numbers above it and you're pressing. And as you press one of the numbers stops, and then you feel yourself stop falling down. Does anything change outside the window? Yes. Mm. Um, yes. The, the, um, the light is now shining out. You now feel yourself floating as if on water, and the light mm. is shining out in a foggy, very dark area, and you can see what looked like buildings off in the distance amidst the foggy area. Okay. I'll look at the rock. You're in water. Uh, You're looking at it or you're holding it. So in order for it to, yeah. yeah, So if you grab the rod, it tries to pull you in the direction of those buildings. Hey, the rod's now tugging towards those buildings. I think we made it. All right. Good job. I'm just curious. Can you describe the numbers? Like, what did what what are the num- what, what were the numbers showing? Like, what kind of a number that was counting down? So when we pushed it, there was no um, there wasn't anything on there until you went to press it. And when your skin touched it to press it in, uh-huh. then there were sets of four numbers in in on the sort of on the top, upper part of the button. Like, are those settable numbers, or I mean, and can I memorize what Where the number is? was when? Uh, yeah, the number yeah, is still yeah. showing on it. Is it, okay. is it one of those sets of numbers that's been in the pro- on that uh, text of prophecy we've been seeing on these temple walls? Let's does find it, does out. It cor- does it correspond with any of those? It is the number. I mean, it's a long number. It's not like it just says five. No, it's no, like it's, it's four digits. Four digits, okay. Yeah. One, five, six, nine. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. If we start moving forward, let's see if the number changes. Well, should we try to pilot the pilot towards land? Yeah, let's try to start moving. Okay. Um, when you go to cause it to go forward, nothing happens. Got a juice already. But, um, you know, you, you know that uh, when you were, every other time you were driving it, the panel with the those buttons and levers in it was closed. Oh, like we have to go close the, okay. Oh, should we like flip the black? one down the dark plateau down then like basically turn that off and then close it we're here yeah i don't know i'll try to just close the panel and see maybe everything resets when you close the panel so you're going to close the panel or are you going to move the lever i think i'm gonna try to close the panel first and see if anything resets um i mean when you close the panel you don't really notice any okay does anything change with the curiosity's configuration or ability to move uh if you close the panel and try to drive forward it will push you forward Okay, then we'll just we'll, we'll go forward. We'll start going the direction that the rod is pointing. 
Welcome to the Black Plateau, everybody. The Dark Plateau. I don't know what we're going to find here. <laughs> the weather outside is a balmy... <laughs> darkness. Dark, darkness. It's a balmy darkness. We're, we're Zero dark 30. <laughs> um, I was looking to see if I had a description I could read to you. I'm so mad because I can't find my paragraph of numbers, and I know this corresponds with something. It, it oh. does. I've I already looked it up. Did you? It's, okay, that's yeah. Good. Through the dirt, through the stone, okay. one five six nine. Gotcha. That makes sense. And the line that comes after it is through the still through the gale, but the numbers come after the text always. So through mm-hmm. the dirt, through the stone. But also that those numbers repeat. Yeah, I was gonna say there's somewhere else yeah, that's, too. I haven't found a lot the second appearance of it i literally lost it today Chim- I- oh. <laughs> oh no <laughs> i found it <laughs> chamber of eyes um yeah. fun i mean, I mean that makes be. sense yeah because the, the, the eyes the, the lenses the off the uh, that office laboratory whatever is probably the chamber of eyes yeah i can see through yeah. all the lenses right so yeah, yeah. I mean, and remember, and it may be the curiosity, we stole the curiosity from them. So maybe it has presets in all the planes. Maybe it goes to that specific location in each plane when you throw the lever. That would be useful. Uh, Very fast way of getting to all these places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Let's just hope it doesn't show 6174 before we're ready then. (laughs) Because maybe that's what that sensation of falling is. Because that sensation of falling gets moving somewhere in time and space, right? It's like... Probably... It's, it's not. It's not stationarily just going to the plane from where we were. It's felt, it feels I'm like it's a storm sorcerer. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> we're making it up as we go. It's true. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so uh, you start approaching this shoreline, and you see that you're approaching a relatively largest city. Um, it is gray and dim. There is very little light. There's fog shrouding the majority of the different areas that you can even see. The tops of the buildings that that peek out from from the low-lying fog uh, look dingy and gray and a little bit dilapidated. Now, you're still relatively far away, but you do see some docks. You see a few ships in the docks, but even the lamps and lanterns that are on those ships, the light doesn't seem to penetrate very far. It is very, it's like in a perpetual twilight. Well, this is a cherry place. <laughs> uh, you do see uh, people moving around, uh, around the docks, and um, uh, everything you see is just enveloped in a, dullness there's no bright color even when you look around if you were to turn the lights on inside the curiosity and look at your own clothing and your own uh different items and things that you're wearing there is a paleness to it all there is a muted dull shadowing covering all of it you don't feel differently although um you notice that actually has a little bit of a beard growing and Konos's hair a little longer than it was before and Marcel the tips of Marcel's fur has a little sort of silvery 
coloration, a dull gray, silvery coloration to it a little bit. But Emmerin doesn't look changed at all. I was going to say, when I looked at my mother, did she look like this? Like dull and like... She looked pale and sick. Okay. Do I feel any different or do I just look different? You, you don't feel any differently. Well, let's get, let's, let's get a move on. I don't want to stay for dinner. I bet their food is as bland as their decoration. Let's, let's, I think let's just fly over the city. I think we should just head straight in the direction that the rod's pointing. Did, did uh, Emron and uh, Konos point out how loud this thing was when we flew over Hukka, the Hukka village? I would point that out. Yeah, this thing like, does make a lot of noise when it's flying. So you know. Yeah, but they, they won't be able to catch us. So here's what we'll do. Let's fly over the city at, a, at an <laughs> oblique angle from the direction. Like, let's go to like a 45 degree angle to the direction that the thing's pointing. So if anyone follows us, they'll go the wrong direction. And then we'll just write our course after we clear up. What if it's inside the city? Well, then we'll have, we have no choice, but we'll have to stop once we're above it, adjust and go right to it. I feel like, especially considering who we stole this from, it's a bad idea to make everyone see where we are. But we can't crawl through the middle of the city. No, I was thinking finding a place to dock it and go on foot. I was going to say, can we kind of like, is this on like an island or is it just like there on like a mass of land? You see a humongous city for you. For all of you, basically, you've never seen a city this big. Wow. I mean, we'll get lost in that. I mean, I guess what we can do, we can, we can, we can move laterally and see if the line moves to see maybe how far away from the end point we are. I mean, if we move laterally a good distance and it doesn't even move, that means it's a long ways beyond the city. Yeah, as opposed okay. to. So you mean like following the coast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, stay off in the, the coast of the city. That it's pointing. We just, we just, well, you move, you move perpendicular to which direction is pointing. Okay. You take a line of bearing and then you move a good distance, take another line of bearing and see if it moves, it shifts. Also, is it just pointing like straight ahead or is it pointing like straightened down or straightened up or it's just pointing toward the city? Okay. So how? we could also submerge and see how far down and see if it goes up and see if we're underneath the city. Cause the thing, I know we established that the ladder is more of like, uh, a gate to like the dark plateau, but the ladder in Darkport was the only like solid information we got really. Yeah, I mean, from that this, this sounds like Darkport, doesn't it? It looks like a Darkport. It does port. sound like Darkport. It is a port and it's in the dark plateau, therefore, mm-hmm. Darkport. Perfectly reasonable. Thank goodness they name things literally. That really helps. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You see down here at the bottom, there's a big wall there yeah, near yeah. the docks. Yeah, You are outside of those walls. So you're pretty far out. And yeah. when you look to the right and the left, all you see is city and walls. That's how big mm. this place is. How tall do the buildings appear? Um, some of them are quite tall. Like, I mean, you know, three or four floors, three or four stories, nothing like a high rise or anything like that. I mean, we know nothing about if the people here are hostile, will they let us go amongst them as if we belong? If we, will they attack us on site? We know nothing about what the people are like in this place. Are we easily recognizable as outsiders? You know, as I'm like looking at myself, I'm going to say, I think you three might, I think I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb. Why Why do you look different? I don't know. You all changed in some way, like either your hair or your beard or like hair color. I don't think anything about me changed. Is this a good look for me? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> it's fine. Actually, does your clan normally grow beards? Probably not. I mean, halflings are probably 
pretty clean shaven, I think, like childlike chins. and Yeah, so he looks really weird to you right now. He's got like, <laughs> you know, some... Yeah, I mean, I think we need to find out how far this, this place is. How close are we to it? So I think we should try that plan, just moving sideways and see if the line of bearing changes dramatically to give us an idea of how close we are to the termination point. Okay, so let me... Um... We'll just move around outside the wall, staying out in the water. It seems to be pointing you to the um, northwestern portion of the city. But still in the city. In the city. So maybe rather than go into the city directly and over it, we should just go around the side until we get close enough and then find a place to put down and hide the, the curiosity. That sounds good. So we we basically go west along the wall until we reach land and okay. then find a place to hide. How close do you get to the wall? <laughs> Keep it in sight. When? What do you mean when we're traveling? Yeah. Yeah, we kind of need to know where it is to know where it's a point of reference, but we want to stay a ways away from it. Yeah, it's maybe 100 feet. Oh, 100 feet. Okay. Uh, roll me perception checks. 18 plus... Eight. Four, so twenty-two. God damn it! Stop <laughs> rolling because it. Uh, eleven. So I got eleven, and what did Imran get? Eight. Okay, and Konos and Axley both got over twenty. Konos and Axley, you notice that this wall has the look of skin stretched tight over rock-like flesh, decorated with carvings of limbs and faces. Oh, that's that's. Don't get any closer to that. That's gross. <laughs> Unlike normal carvings, the limbs twitch and the faces cackle and howl. Oh. Oh, God. I think we've answered the question of how we're going to be treated if we're seen here. Well, they obviously, this place knows how to party, obviously. Oh, no. Yeah, being out and exposed on foot is going to be a very dangerous Let's go to expedition. Dark Plain Plateau to place called Dark We'll have a lot of fun. What is your mom doing? Okay, let's just keep going. I mean, I don't think she came here on her on a whim. Neither did we, to be fair. Still don't like this place. So as you're traveling, you see that there are some gaps in the in the wall. By the way, as you're traveling, the faces in the wall change and some of them change to look like the faces of demons and some of them change to look like the faces of animals and either way they're always sort of tracking you they're sort of they they sort of come out of the they sort of form out of the skin into the shape of this face and then they sort of cackle at you but it's it's not making noise it's just making that visual visual and then they sort of sink back in and then a few minutes later something will come out of a different piece and it's sort of tracking you and Almost uh, almost like it's watching what you're doing. But when you see the areas where there's breaks in the walls, um, there are different gates there with um, openings. And each gate uh, has an enormous sculpture that resembles a skull with jaws agape. And you see nice. that near the gates there are some figures there obviously standing watch. Do they seem like they've... Well, I can't really... Yeah, you don't see anything. In fact, you you and Imran, neither one of you have noticed the faces in the walls, unless Konos and Axley pointed out to you. I'm yeah, we'll definitely point out where we're seeing them. Yeah. 
I'm yeah, not okay so, with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice place. <laughs> Cheery. Very welcoming. I'd like to have a word with our city council. I'd rather not <laughs> talk with them at all, if possible. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to avoid it. I want to avoid a welcoming committee at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we'll just keep traveling around until we get to a point where the pointer, you know, points directly into the city at the closest point. Well, I mean, so there is a there is a gate that is a more westward gate that's still in the water. I, I mean, I guess it depends. Do you want to go on land? Because you can actually well, go on go on land. I mean, we're gonna have to set this thing down somewhere and hide it. So we need to find a good good hiding spot. But, I mean, we can travel through the water pretty easily. So as long as we can like maybe hide it on a little rocky island or something. Um, outside the city walls, once we get to the land part, is there like trees or like an area where we could hide it in terms of like cover? Yeah. So when you get over to the edge there near the uh, near the side of the wall where the um where the land is you see that um the outside of the wall um is um on the land side on the landward sides uh outside of the city is a morass of decaying vegetation and marshland is nice. it enough vegetation to cover a 10 foot vehicle <laughs> So you would have to go on there and try to, I mean, it, the thing is, it's very low lying, it's marshland. So there's not a mm-hmm. ton of, there are some sort of what you might call marsh grasses, grasses sticking out of the ground, but they're not super, super tall. Are there any structures, tall structures? that um... Not outside the city walls. Okay, but marshland means there's a lot of water with the grass. Is it possible mm-hmm. we could like find an area where it would lie in the water area so the grass would mostly cover it possibly do we want to do we want to do that so we i mean the thing is also most of us have all of us have equal swim speed to walks yeah so my question is do we want to try sneaking in through one of the water gates and then sneak up on the port or do we just want to waltz right in through one of the gates? Because outside, we're not going to be able to sneak at all. We're just going to... Yeah, and then we don't want to leave the curiosity in a vulnerable place where it can be found. So it's, it'd probably be easier to leave it on a little island or something. that Because we can, like you said, we can all get through the water pretty quickly. And we know that this thing can like com- compact itself down pretty well so that it just looks like a box, like a crate. Because that's how you found it to begin with. Mm-hmm. It didn't have like the legs and the stuff outside. No. It looks so, like a big barrel. Yeah, so we don't have to really worry about it getting that much attention. But these might be the people that created this thing is the issue. Yeah, they but might if know what on it an island 100 feet out. I guess that's... We still that's have great. to go on foot potentially through the city. Yeah. I don't yeah, think that's my like question. That. So my other question is, yes, yeah, should we leave it on an island, swim through one of the water gates? Because we can do that underwater and hopefully nobody sees us. And then go drenched with water into the city. Yeah. <laughs> how big was how big was the inside of the lab that you saw that we saw? Mm-hmm. It wasn't cute. Would the curiosity fit inside of it? Inside of the the, the tower, lab. the tower building where where Aaron's yeah. mom is? Might, might, yeah. Might break some things. I don't think the door's wide enough. The door I could create would be. <laughs> Do we really want to use Gatesville right now? 
I think like that's a bad idea. I, no, we're pretty that's close. A really bad idea. Yeah, we're really close. I, come on, uh, it's a city. If, How bad uh, yeah. can it be? Just put, yeah, Emmer and put your cloak uh, up and and your yeah. hood up, and we'll be drenched. So what? Yeah, I think go we have it. to stash the curiosity and go on foot. I think that's the only way we're going to get there most directly, have the best chance of finding it. Has the person who's designed their clothing thinking of swimming out of the water? <laughs> we'll be drenched. It's fine. Then you just shake off all the water. <laughs> We all have gust of wind, right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Do we actually? I I, I, I have gust of wind. I don't. Yeah. I have it. Okay. Okay. Um. Uh, oh wait, no, I don't. Oh, I was. Oh wait, I do have gust of wind. Yes, I was thinking. I was thinking of the cantrip version. I don't think we want to use gust of wind to dry us <laughs> off. <though. laughs> Super powered hair dryer. <laughs> yeah. Just stand in front of me. I mean, you know, you guys all don't have to get wet. I could, I could let you guys all off on the shore and then move it out and then stash it and then swim back. And then I'm only one way. Yeah, but that's that 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 means that uh, you're passing the, the water gate. gates twice with a ten foot vehicle. Oh, do you think we could just get the curiosity in there and then stash it? Can we get it under the gate? Well, but where are we going to stand? Then they're closer to where everyone can see it. Maybe we could put it on top of, set down on top of a building. On top of a building. Yeah, but then everyone knows where we are. We're Valid. trying to be stealthy. It's, it's, it's loud. If um, we go submarine mode underneath the water and through the gates, we'd have to turn off the lights, which means whoever's driving this thing needs to have dark vision mm-hmm. because they will not be able to see otherwise. Well, you can't see lights very far in this place. Lights doesn't go very far. Yeah, but if they've got people on the gates, they're gonna see a light under the water. Okay, so but how far a swim is it from outside the the gate through to the shore? First of all, why don't we take the curiosity down just to see what's underneath the gate to make sure we can actually get through? Okay, sure. Why don't we just go see what's down there so that if it's a concrete wall, that none of us are gonna be I able mean, to break through. Ships ships have to be able to pass. I mean, what they if might- we? What if we what if we go underwater all the way up to underneath one of the main docks and then just like bring it up underneath the dock? Yeah, that was my other suggestion. But we'd yeah. have to make sure we don't have the lights on. Right. Well, under the water, it's not going to show. It depends on how deep it is. You're going to be able to see it anyway, especially given how dark. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if we have the lights off, that would pretty much make us invisible. Yeah, that's why I'm like, do it. Does anyone have dark vision, night vision, whatever? I do. Okay. Nope. So Konos would have to navigate it because he'd be able to see if the lights are off. Because while we tiny ass creatures Mm -hmm. could pass down underneath the water of the gate, because I'm assuming it's going to be at least deep enough for a ship to pass, they may still have an underwater gate that might prevent the curiosity. So we'll just, that's why we need someone who can see without having the lights on so that we don't, you know, ram the curiosity into an underwater gate. I'm, I may be overthinking it, but that's how I design a gate. Uh, a, a no, that's wall. I, yeah. <laughs> like if I'm gonna bother putting up that wall, I'd make sure that the gaps in it are protected. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm good with it. So we approach the western, the westernmost gap in the wall in, in the, the water. In the water. Okay. Because the other submerged- thing. As far as we can go. The other thing you didn't do was go around the city and see if there were landside gates. Oh, we're assuming there's landside gates. The question is, do we want to go through a landside gate and be seen? 
Okay. And have to deal with possible gatekeepers. And so you're going to go through the passes. western, the westernmost waterside gate. Yeah. You're going to try yeah. to go as deep as you can, or is that what you're? Yeah, is? basically follow the 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 floor mm -hmm. of, of this and see if we can cross without being spotted. So turning off the outside lights of the, uh, so it can't be. Okay, and Konos is going to use his dark vision to try to guide you to a relatively emptier dock. Pilot us through without hitting, hitting anything. Okay. Well, Axley's going to have to drive because he's the only one that knows how to pilot the thing. Oh, okay. So you're going to have to give me cues and tell me. Yeah, you're going to have to tell him. Uh, and so when you when you park it, are you going to like have it come up out of the water, or what are you? What's yeah, your plan we, there? Have to. I don't think you can open it underwater. Yeah, I don't gonna, think so. Uh, flood it. Yeah. Yeah. You. I mean, you can. I mean, we can. Yeah, but I don't think you <laughs> want, want to. Want to uh, but okay. bring it. Bring it up just enough so that it surfaces underneath one of the uh, docks. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what I will need from uh, Konos is a wisdom survival check. Boy. Okay. I'm going to use my ghostly gaze to try to assist with this. So basically, it lets me see through solid objects with dark vision to a range of 30 feet. Okay. So I'm hoping that just makes things outside a little easier to, to easier to see. Okay. Like I'm literally like viewing through the walls of the mm -hmm. things. Okay, so so roll that check with advantage then. Thank you. Okay. okay, and Axley, I need a charisma check from you with proficiency. Oops, with proficiency. Okay, that's a four on that one, and a <laughs> fifteen. Fifteen plus my bonus of four is nineteen. Okay. So, well, that was with, not with advantage, but with your proficiency. So what was your first roll? Was a four? A four, yeah. Okay. Mm. Plus your proficiency at eighth level is, what is that, a plus four? Proficiency for just yeah. the stat bonus, you mean? Proficiency is a three. Plus three. Is it, oh, what, it, it, this, this isn't a saving throw. What is it? No, no, no. It's just it's just a charisma ability check. So you add your modifier plus your proficiency. Oh, okay. So my modifier is plus four, and okay. then my proficiency is plus, plus three. Plus three. Okay. So seven plus four is eleven. Okay. So you successfully, uh, with Konos telling you where to go, get the curiosity to near a dock. But the way the docks are structured, you cannot go under a dock. So you're going to have to park either next to it. Or on the end of one of the docks. Okay. Next to it's probably good if we can just find a spot that you know, is not it's, very visible. It's not that big, so you can fit it almost anywhere. Okay. Yeah, we'll just have to like maybe hide it amongst the rocks. Or is there? Do we see anything? Or is there anything outside we could see that we any can cover yeah, up with? Any sewer pipes or anything Parts. coming out from the city? That's a good idea. No, there is a bridge Great. that goes to one of the islands. If you wanted to try to like park it under the bridge maybe so it wouldn't fun. get that's seen. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah, that mm -hmm. works. Okay. So you're not really parking it at the docks then. You're kind of on the shore mm -hmm. under the bridge. Okay. okay. We don't really need a dock. We just need a place to stash the yeah. vehicle. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what are you taking with you and is anybody staying behind? Auto? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or leave Otto somewhere. How, yeah, how, here. Yeah, how far can you communicate to Otto? Like, if we leave him with only, the curiosity, can he warn us if something start, comes to molest it? Only while we're within 100 feet. Yeah, I feel like Otto would be more useful with us for yeah, scouting yeah. purposes. Mm -hmm. Plus, are we even are we coming back for this? Yeah, because if we're using the gate spell, this is our way out. 
No, yeah. we're not using the gate spell unless it's an emergency. In yeah. which case, we lose unless the it's an emergency. Okay. Yeah, because okay. that's that will help us go to other gates potentially as well. Right. We're yeah. Wanting to, so. Yeah. But for now, our plan is to find your mother, bring her back here, and then take the curiosity back. Okay. Yeah. If um, we're using if we're using the gate spell, because things have gone, you know, have really gone su- super haywire. Yeah. Really bad. Because yeah. When we needed quick way out. That's our eject button. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am just taking what's on me and I'm going to have the location rod thing. I'm going to take that. Well, I... that that is attuned to Axley. Oh, it is. Okay, so he is the only one that, that feels it. <laughs> so I'm going to carry the bag of beans. I have the bowl with me and, uh, and a cat who is biting my hand. <laughs> Um, (laughs) actually i think that's most of what i had yeah just the bag of beans and the and a bowl okay of the magical items that we had unless you guys want me to take the uh i mean we'll take them just in the bag of holding i'm I'm not gonna leave anything behind other than that sword okay yeah i'm Um, taking all my normal equipment wasn't one of the rods one that said stop on it yeah Yeah, i was thinking uh about that I'm going to take that one. And there's something that is about dark. What is it? Um, dark and quiet is what the other dark one says. Quiet. Yeah, someone else holds on to that one. Yeah, well, we're gonna I take can hold off. on to that one because although I did uh, get rid of my negative one dexterity stat, I'm still not very stealthy. So <laughs> maybe that might be helpful for me. Okay, so you carry the dark and quiet. I'll carry the stop one. Um, was it stop? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, dark and quiet, yeah. stop, need advice. Okay, so I'll carry the stop one. Basically, so we have them somewhere where we can easily grab them because if it's in the bag of holding, I think that's it. Okay, all right. Actually, you said you had the, the bead necklace on you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, are you being stealthy or what's your what's your plan here? Yes. I think we'd like to try <laughs> to be stealthy. Yes. Okay, please. so I will need it a stealth. look obvious if we fail. <laughs> I'll, I'll need a stealth Looks check suspicious. from all of you. <laughs> Come on, ice cream dice. Don't God damn. You know. Yeah. Seven. I rolled a natural 20 and a three. Oh. So three. Someone is being overly cautious. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here like, holy yeah. shit, this place is crazy. I got and that's seven. the problem. That's the problem with stealth <laughs> is you're only as strong as your your non-stealthy loudest, loudest person. Yeah. <laughs> so you all uh try to be stealthy. Um when you when you get out of sort of where the curiosity is and you're you're now on one of the little city streets. Um, you see there are some people, you know, walking to and fro and doing different things. Uh, and anyone who looks at you glances away quickly and goes about their own business. Uh, and you walk about maybe a hundred yards down the street. And the next thing you know, there are three humanoids coming towards you wearing uh, gray and black armor and cloaks. They're very pale faced. They have a crest on their shoulder, and they walk right up to you. One of them has one of them has a, a ledger book under his arm, and he walks up to you. And let's see, which one does he walk up to? So one oh, no. is Konos, two is Marcel, three is Imarin, and four is Axley. Uh, four. They walk right up to Axley. They one of them puts his hand out, and he says, "Registration fee." 
Do you know who you're talking to? Oh, God. <laughs> registration fee. I don't pay a registration fee. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Konos, Marcel, Imran, please give me a perception check. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, 12. What is with my rolls today? A 10. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I'm not doing so great either. What did Konos get? 21. Konos, you notice when these people walk up to you and ask for the registration fee, all the other sort of commoners that are going about their business in the street, they sort of duck away. If they've got a hat on, they sort of put their hand and they then they go and they don't want to see this at all. Um, one of the one of the people in the group steps up to Axley and bends down, gets right nose to nose with him, and he says, look, you must be new here. You're going to pay the registration fee, or we're going to have to take you in, and I don't think you want us to take you in, right? Very well, then. And he puts his hand out. So now you have two hands in front of you. So uh, how much is the the fee? 50 gold. Jesus, we don't For the whole group? Keep talking, and the fee will go up. Obviously, you didn't hear me the first time. Oh, God. Let me introduce myself. My name is Blacksley Chilling Quest of the Inquisitor's Guild, and I don't pay a registration fee, and I'm going to cast Suggestion. <laughs> All right. I'm going to cast Suggestion on him, saying, I don't need to pay the registration fee. Oh, you and your Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> um, all right, let me see. Suggestion. I sworn we had money, but I have... No, I haven't. I... We have 75 gold, but this is like the shit money, so I don't even know yeah. if I have this on me. We don't even know if, the, I mean, our gold looks different than their gold. We're all tarnished here. Yeah. We have 75 gold pieces that we found, like, on the ship, and the 11 amethyst gems, which I didn't grab. I know I didn't grab those, because we never sold them, because we were trying to sell the yeah. black powder, and it never happened. And that backfired. That backfired so hardcore. Except so this is, that's what got us here. So how much of the 75 gold has gone into paying our people? <laughs> I think most of it. Like decently. I think I we think determined that the fee that they get is 30, it's like 32 gold a week or something to pay everybody. We figured that out. It's in my notes somewhere. Yeah, yeah it's somewhere. All of my notes are scattered. Um, so what's your suggestion? What are you suggesting to them? That, that uh, once they hear that I'm of this dangerous Inquisitor's Guild that now, that now they know is not to be messed with, they need to move along quickly and not charge us the registration fee. Okay, so move along quickly without getting paid. Got it. All right. And they're going to make a wisdom save, right? What's your spell save DC now? Yeah. So it's, it, and it's just the lead guy, right? The boss guy who's... So are you... Um, are you doing this to the person, the first person who put their hand out, or the second guy who told you that? Yeah, the the guy who looks like he's in charge, the one who addressed the, me. The second one? Okay. Spell save DC is 15. I hate to tell you this, but I rolled an 18. Okay. This is not going on. Can I? Um, I can't use any of my own. Roll, pers- roll, roll me a persuasion check. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, it's a plus eight, so that's uh, got that going for me. Uh, six plus eight, <laughs> so fourteen total. Uh, can I can I use luck to re-roll it? <laughs> no, no. He says. Uh, he says. Let me give you some advice. When the Deathless Watch comes and asks you for a fee, pay the fee. We'll be watching you. And they turn and they walk away. I'll take it. <laughs> 
I'll turn to my my comrades and say, sorry guys, just improving here. <laughs> I figure that's how you fit in in this place. <laughs> Gotta be an a-hole. <laughs> I look around and notice that everybody else is gone. Yeah, they are every all of the commoners, no one. The the shops that looked open, they now have their doors shut. No lights are on in any window. Everything is yeah, nothing. No activity whatsoever. Let's go. Let's get let's get going. So you are in the western part of the city, but you're in the southern portion and you need to get to the northern portion are the streets straight lines no <laughs> no, no it's a maze no they are not straight lines um the rod is telling you to just go s- directly north okay. but of course the streets don't go directly north yeah i mean i think the best thing to do is just every time we get to an intersection take a reading and then take the one that's closest to that direction i think at this point we're not stealthing we're just Trying yeah. to not look like tourists. Yeah. Yeah, obviously <laughs> stealthing didn't work. <laughs> it seems like ordinary people would leave us seem to leave us alone unless we're causing trouble. Yeah. Um as, every time you walk by someplace, they shut the doors and pull the shades. Oh. Nice place to visit. I wouldn't want to live here. I hope it's they're scared of us and not something else. Do it's I just, get the sense that they're all aware that we're not from here? Uh, I think this place is just an evil place to be and in general i don't think they want to mess with anybody they don't want to well, well they don't anyone. seem to be doing that for anyone but us. but so. Us. so i'm wondering i'm wondering if it's just because it's the four of us or if it's just me or if it's just because we don't fit in i don't want to hang around and find out i guess we'll yeah just we just need to move i mean the only way to find that out is to ask somebody ask right? someone and honestly i don't think we want to start asking questions <laughs> let's just get a move on get the tech out of here so you notice that um the um as you're as you're going uh roll me a perception check actually and i'll tell you if, if you actually do notice this <laughs> again <Well>. same <laughs> natural 20 Jesus. 20, 22. <laughs> My robe's giving me advantage. So that's how I'm oh, always good. Yeah. That's he, good. he can that's see in nice. all directions. I also have a passive perception of 17 and a passive investigation of 21 for what that's worth. Wow. <laughs> it's what well, he I does. Have, I have good passive perception. I, I have know. 18 passive perception. <laughs> so who, who, actually, uh, yeah, who rolled over a 15? Nope. Just Konos. Konos, you notice that as you travel further and further north, um, more and more of those individuals with uh, gray and black armor with the crest on their shoulder are sort of following you. I just for everybody, don't look back. Keep walking, <laughs> but we're being followed. Is it? Or the more of the tax collectors. Great. How many more do I see? Uh, you, you see probably four. I mean, it's not like a giant mob following you, but uh, they're obviously like tracking you and keeping keeping are track. Are they the of same you. ones? No. How do they? How do they know us? How are we standing out so blatantly? We smell different. I don't know. I say we just keep walking until they do something. No. Maybe there's no halflings and lutrinians here. Do I, as we're walking, do I notice any? I'm going to keep an eye out for just like alleyways to potentially duck down if we need to try to duck out of sight or something. Oh yeah, there's alleyways all over. I mean, there's. This thing is a, uh, there is not a straight road to be found. And every single 
curvy, convoluted roadway has at least three or four alleyways amongst it. I mean, this is like, this is like a big city. It's like the slums of a big city. The buildings are all very dilapidated and gray. There, there are some areas where there's rubble around, you know, the entryways and things like that. I mean, it's really not in good repair. It's in disrepair. I kind of lean over to the group and I'm like, so if they decide to uh, approach, do we split and run or do we turn and fight? Turning and fighting the local guard seems like a terrible idea. We'll get it. If we're going to fight, try to get them in an alley and out of sight. (laughs) Be how I do it. Uh, Let more people. Well, we just prepare to pay a fee. They harass us for it. I mean, with what money? (laughs) I don't know. Do we have like a gem we can give them? Not on me. Give them even if we did have the amethysts, those apparently are. Mm, I have one idea, a really, really bad one. <laughs> and I'm going to pat my chest and go, what if I told them I'm, we're here sent by my master and show? I don't know if that explains the whole lot of us. Yeah. They're under my orders. The goblin that was wearing this was the boss. And the other goblin said that whoever wore this was the boss. The big boss is, you know, who? But that's assuming, like, everybody in the city knows what the, the plan, the evil plan is. I mean, I, That's true. I don't think they need to know what the evil plan is. They just need to know he's an important MVP person. So are Someone you, are you discussing this or are you actually doing, you're going to, like, flop that symbol around? <laughs> no, the, no, no, no. We're walking okay. and discussing this as, like, we're going. Like, that might get us, yeah, that might get us more negative attention because they want to bring someone, a leader in on it. Mm. And then they'll tell, uh, tell someone up the chain that we're here. Yeah. If we want to lay low, that's probably not a good thing to flash on. Might get them off our case, though. If we're like, oh, we're just here because he told us to come here. If you want to mess with him, then you can take this. I mean, it's a 50-50. We just don't know at this point. Again, I think we just keep walking until something happens. I mean, that's what we're going to do anyways. I'm just saying okay. that's an option. Are they, are they like closing in on us or are they just like following at a consistent distance? Or They're just uh, keeping tabs on you, looks like. Then yeah, okay. let's keep let's just keep walking until they try. So at, at some point you get to a sort of like a crest of a higher area, and the rod wants you to turn slightly to the east, okay. and you realize that this is the building that the rod is taking you to. So let me read you the description of this. Um, it's built from dark black marble with feather patterns carved on the surface. There are statues of people bent under the burden holding the structure aloft. So the building is not even on the ground. It's it's looks like it's balanced on the backs of the giant statues. There are three enormous towers that rise from this building in three different regions of it. Oh, dear oh, God. Oh, my God. That's way bigger than I thought it would be. That's I thought it would be like an underground lab, like, mm. no big deal. <laughs> That's an issue. So what I was talking about, the, the thing that might be able to get us inside. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. This, as you as you draw closer to it, um, you see that there are people that are sort of waiting in line to get into this building. It looks like there's only one way in. Um, there is an enormous staircase. Well, do we just do the frontal assault and try to get in, or do we want to... 
talk about so, them stealthy. If I show you this picture again, so you see this area right here looks yeah. kind of like the entrance to a cathedral kind of thing. Yeah, that's where the staircase goes up into. Could try to just blend into the crowd and see if they maybe miss us or walk past us. Well, yeah, I mean, just like everyone else has completely ignored us. <laughs> and the crowd isn't exactly getting in easily. I mean, that's what the long line is for. So there's obviously some vetting process and some gate or something that's keeping everybody and- out. Is the is the rod pointing down at any point, or is it just pointing up towards the? Since this thing is such a massive, it's building. pointing direct, so it's not actually so, pointing up. It's just pointing, at but the at the building. But the way into the building is up those stairs. There yeah. is a there is a gate uh, between you know. There, so there's a line of people, and then there's a there's sort of a gate structure, and there are two guards, and then there are stairs up. I need to take a long rest, y'all. I prepared my spells for interrogation, not infiltration. <laughs> I have um, nothing that can help at this point in time. Let me tell you what the guards look like. I should have mentioned that before we started. <laughs> <laughs> I was anxious, okay? <laughs> Let's wait until tomorrow to rescue your mom. We can do that. <laughs> we could have we could have gone and dealt with the send the Haka to deal with the pup, right? No. No, I sent him to deal with the blue goblins in the right. in the jungle. Um, blue goblins. Hopefully that doesn't lead to the dog getting loose or something. So these um, these guards are wearing helmets that have the beak of a bird coming out of them. And they have wing shapes all over their very dark black armor. You can't see any part of their face other than their eyes because the helmet covers their entire head and has like a bill of a bird of prey coming down. Do we want to walk around the building and see if there's like a back entrance? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of at this point. Or do we want to walk up to the people that are waiting in line and ask them why they're waiting in line? I'm almost tempted to do that, but based on the reaction to our presence as of Currently, I don't know if we'll get an answer. That's fair. We could try. Do you want me to go ask? I think maybe Konos should. Konos has blue skin. (laughs) He does? His skin is blue? Blue skin and fluffy white hair. He's not exactly... I stand out for sure. I mean, I don't think any of us really fit in. Yeah, sure, Marcel, go for it. So what are you doing? I'm going to walk towards the back of the line. <laughs> okay. And then do what? I'm going to look up at the person in front of me and go, so uh, what's the line for? <laughs> We're here to see High Priestess Nera. Is that the only reason to go into that building? Well, if if you worship the queen, then you would use this as the temple. And, and you have to wait to worship her? She holds private audiences. Oh, but what if we would just want to go inside to like pray in the open area and not see her. You have to bribe the guards. Fair enough. With a bird. What? (laughs) The ebony guard. Really? There's birds here? Right when you say that, you (laughs) notice flying, like flocking around the upper tower parts of this building are enormous flocks of ravens. A dead one or a live one? (laughs) What do I know of, uh, what did they say, uh, her queen? What did he say in reference to High Priestess Nera. High Priestess Nera. Yeah, no, but the, 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 who they worshipped? The queen? The queen, queen? they just said the queen. The queen. 
What do I know about a goddess called the queen? Um, roll a history check. Or religion, I suppose. <laughs> I rolled a three on the <laughs> dice, so this is going to go great either way. Um, yeah, I have a one on both, so that's a four. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you, you know that uh, on the Dark Plateau, they might have an entirely different... Um, knowledge of i mean that you know there there's a different i mean it could be the same gods they just call them different things it's there's Mm -hmm. no telling i mean it's really that you know that when you go from one plateau to another it doesn't like there's they're not necessarily a one-to-one relationship but there might be so it's hard to say you see birds anywhere else when we were coming this way um not really no i mean just so they're like flocked in, in this building Around, they're flying around the towers, yeah. Right. How high up? Those towers? Uh, 70 feet. But that's on top of... So there's probably 50, 60, 70 feet of stairs going up to the... Yeah. What yeah. would be mm-hmm. the doors? And then 70 feet above that. So So the ravens feet. are way higher. Than- way. Well, they're... But they're flocking. So they're sort of flying down and then around and then they land and then, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they roost on the, like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Roofs. And, yeah. Okay. See, see, this is the the part where my character's like, "It's okay. I learned lightning bolts. A hundred feet. I can shoot one out of the sky." <laughs> Meanwhile, player me is like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I, I I do have dominate monster or creature or whatever it's called. What is mm-hmm. it called? Dominate monster. Yeah. Depend depends because there's quite a few different versions. Yeah. Um, I'll What's- thank him. Okay. And then go back to the party and basically let them know what I learned. What's the range on your dominate spell, Emerin? <laughs> 60 feet. Ah. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you you know, you haven't really, you didn't really, you weren't looking for birds in the other parts of the city. Yeah, so you no, didn't no, notice no, them, but no. that doesn't mean there weren't any there. But I mean, yeah. to be fair, ravens call a lot. So I feel mm-hmm. like we would have at least heard them, if not seen them. Right. But it was really quiet, you said. But she didn't say you had to bring a raven. She just said a bird. Bird, yeah. yeah. Well, I go back to the party. I tell them this. Does anyone know anything about a queen? A bird. Goddess? Like, would I know any birds? I can roll religion. No, that's not great. Hey, you know a lot about religion. <laughs> Eleven. Sure I do. It's not my strong suit, but... Uh, you know that... You know something. Well, because Emerin trained in another temple, so... Um, you know that there are some who believe that the dead are ushered to an afterlife by the Raven Queen. Mm-hmm. And that therefore some individuals worship the Raven Queen because the Raven Queen is not necessarily evil, but will take care of your soul and your mortal body. Okay. I relay that to the party. That sounds somewhat comforting. (laughs) (laughs) What doesn't sound like a good idea is killing a bunch of birds or a bird, especially not a raven. Because sacred, if they're sacred, we don't want to show up with a dead bird. Yeah, let's go go give the, the... Raven Queen guards, dead, dead raven. raven. That's <laughs> probably going to get us killed on the spot. <laughs> I could, tr- I have a way I could try to catch one, but I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb doing it. Did we bring like the cage? The little, uh, Actually, did you bring that? no, it's still yeah. on the. You, oh, it's no, still I took on it off the of goblin. It. Oh, did you take it off of it? Yeah, I took it off of did it. Did we? No, oh. yeah, because he had to eat and everything. 
Oh, that's oh. right. Okay. That's good. Okay, we have that cage. I was going to say, what if we need to, like, entice a raven to light? Like, if we have the favor of a raven, then we can get in because the raven queen, you know? That's kind of why I like the dominate monster thing. Hey, Konos, have you ever considered yeah. getting another kind of familiar and just getting a raven familiar? I was, <laughs> I was, I was, that, that's a thought I was just thinking. I could also fly, try to fly up and get one and catch one. Good luck with that. Don't get your eyes picked up. You have a lot of them. Otto is going crazy in his little bucket now. <laughs> Wait, what's what's going on there? Uh, Otto's going crazy. He is so upset. He's so upset you thought of trading him in for a bird. Oh, no, 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 not, so upset. I'm not trading you in. Just not we're not we're not doing that. At most it would be if I did it, it would be temporary, but I don't think we're gonna do that. He's mad at you, he won't even look at you. He like did the he did the equivalent of an octopus crossing its arms, all eight eight arms turning (laughs) away from you. (laughs) What if we we can polymorph Otto into a raven? We can try giving them an illusionary bird, but we don't know what they want. We don't know if they can tell if there's magic either. Well, as soon as as soon as they touch an illusion, it's gone. So yeah, yeah, no, I would say somehow transforming Otto into a bird but i don't have polymorphs so that's not that would all that would also take me an hour to do that but it's time to do a debrief anyway so you get a couple of weeks to think about <laughs> how you might want to <laughs> deal with this <laughs> i did not expect you to go where you went you really? didn't i did not i thought you were going to stay and take care of the creature in the coral <laughs> And, no, then, and, then, and then sail to Cowport. <laughs> nope, you thought we would ignore Emeryn's mom locked Emeryn's up in cell? Emeryn's been pretty I'm, insistent. No, what I mean, I, but, I, I, but I thought maybe you would go to Cowport to get more information to find your way to wherever that was. That's all I, that's what I thought. Through the safe route. <laughs> the smart route. <laughs> yeah. no, we're jump we're jumping major gaps. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just seemed like it was pretty imminent the the probably you know, the the danger to her. Yeah. yeah, I felt like it was pretty immediate personally. Yeah. But okay. That's also personally. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise <laughs> I would have had I could have actually thrown the map up and let you uh. Like in a no digital image, no and not not me holding it with a big old fold in it. So, <laughs> I did find some uh, small digital images of yeah. the things. Yeah, I I just me. Yeah, I, I've actually sent my players to the Shadowfell, so I, yeah, yeah. I, I recognize it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fine. I thought you might, um, but yeah, I uh, whoops, I thought you might, but I I wasn't prepared for you to go there yet. So in terms of maps and whatnot so <laughs> it's all right yeah <laughs> yeah um I had to step away, step away from it. how did, how did we get away from the guards i, I missed that we part. didn't we we stopped while deciding we have we're debriefing Say player knowledge versus pc knowledge seems like a good topic considering what happened this session. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it that's pretty much what we were getting at there yeah because like I know some, I don't know who else knows about the Shadowfell. Or mm-hmm. I mean, the Raven Queen is pretty co- commonly known now, thanks to Critical Role. 
Mm-hmm. But Shadowfell is another topic entirely. But yeah, that moment where you're like, hey, DM, how much does my character know? Because I know too much. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that. So player knowledge versus character knowledge. Um, it goes both ways, too, because mm-hmm. it's there's there's the possibility that the player knows more than the character. And there's the possibility that the character knows more than the player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, both can be played yeah. correctly and incorrectly, right? I mean, right. So here's what I attempt, and I can't say that I often succeed all that well. Um, but so, for example, to, to just to actually highlight an example from tonight's game, when Imran rolled her religion check, the DC was very low, right? Mm-hmm. Because Imran studied in the temple. She's a priestess of another god, so she would be familiar at least with what types of other gods are worshipped outside of her own focus. She might not know details of worship of the Raven Queen, but she would definitely know that there is something about the Raven Queen. So the DC was fairly low for some basic information, whereas Marcel's DC was much higher because there's no real reason for Marcel to know that. So that's how, as a DM, I try to deal with the thing that happens when the character would actually know more than the player might know, right? Because there's a lot about this world that you don't know. And in fact, even being in the, the quote, Shadow Fell right now, actually you're on the Dark Plateau, which has some differences. So even though I'm showing you pictures from a specific book, you're not in the place where that book is at. You're in... Shadowport, right? Yeah. So we're, you're we're in your version of this. Uh, you're in my version of it. So so there are some things that you may know and you may not know and that that don't actually match up or whatever. But mm-hmm. so for for me to try to to emulate the idea that some of you would have knowledge that that you you yourself don't have but your P, your PC would have, I change DCs. That's how I do that. I think um, that's something yeah. that not all players realize is happening behind the screen. Because right. I, I, ha- I run into that problem a lot. I do the same. If I think mm-hmm. a character should know this, I lower the mm-hmm. DC. Yeah. And if a character has no reason to know, then I, I put the DC up. But then I have players yeah. who the player knows their character should know this and start asking for advantage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't do both. <laughs> right, right. Well, and so sometimes, like, I, so that's why I say I'm not always successful at it, because sometimes I realize sort of after I've asked for a role that I should have just given you the information because it's something your character would know. But once I've asked for a role, I kind of have to make, you know, like I'm, I'm in a, I, I, I try to follow the idea of if there's a role, there should be a consequence for success or failure, right? It shouldn't just be, oh, roll to succeed, but if you fail, then there's nothing nothing exciting, right? Like, I try to aspire to that. I don't always succeed at that. Um, but one I, of the I, ways to try to make that work is to just give the players information when they when their character would actually know it. The problem is n- none of you, none of your characters really know anything about Shadowport. Yeah. So that that's where that comes in. Darkport, yeah. Shadowport, Darkport, whatever. <laughs> I think it was yeah. Darkport. Yeah. Um, I, I've I got Shadowfell on the brain because, yeah. yeah, so. Um, I tend to do a degree of failure for that if I've already, like, if I realize, oh, they should have known something basic. So if they fail, well, yeah, you know there's a goddess that is associated with ravens. That's that's it. Right. If they failed even the low DC and then give them more information if they roll higher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So now, now let me flip the question back then. What do you do when you're a player and you think you might know more than what actually your PC should know? How do you deal with that? I find when I'm in those situations, I try to, I find it sometimes difficult to try to ask the question about what do I know or something in a way that Mm -hmm. doesn't reveal or doesn't necessarily give away that I, as the player know something that the character potentially does, but it's all, all minutes. A lot of times it's hard for me to do. Yeah. I was going to okay. say, cause the couple of times I kept asking Marcel about like the pendant, <laughs> like I personally knew they're hiding something, but they were rolled so high on their deception that Emerald would not have an idea. Mm-hmm. And that frustrated me to no end. <laughs> right. But you, just kind of have to go with it at that point and just be like, okay, yeah. I, I don't know. But you do, <laughs> but you do have license to keep pushing though. Cause what you do know is, you know, we, we know the nature of the pendant and that, right. That, so, you know, it was mm-hmm. taken and put on and, and then now there's some evasive um, questioning going on. Right. Yeah. I mean, which that's enough evasive. to raise suspicion and wonder what's, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And this also gets back to that agency question that we talked about a couple yeah. of episodes ago, where you're, you're wanting to try to make it so that your character can get this information out of this other yeah. character. But if that care, if that player doesn't, they're using their own agency, and they don't want to tell you, because whatever, whatever reason doesn't matter what the reason is, they just don't decide they don't want to tell you. It's that's where that's where that sort of agency question really you butt heads because yes you know everybody around the table see the, so the good thing is if you have a good group and i think we're a good group when you have a good group we we're sitting around the table and two pcs are butting heads or having a, an interaction that is causing a little bit of frustration or whatever but no one's mad at another person and and no one's like thinking oh this isn't fun this this isn't what's supposed to happen i'm just going to beat you into submission and make you do this thing or say this information or whatever like you're just like okay i'm frustrated now i got to figure out another way to try to hit this later and and get this information later and that's just the give and take of my player agency stops where your player agency begins, right? And that's hard. And it's even harder when there is excess knowledge that you actually know something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know something about that amulet thing that Marcel has around their neck, but you don't know everything that it does, but you know it's something. And so, yeah, that's that's hard. It's hard. One, as I've been playing more and more in different games, one one habit I've been seeing myself I do a lot is I tend to ask a lot of leading questions, which like are not really the best way to go about trying to ask questions or get knowledge. I think a better way to do it is maybe try to just ask it from the perspective, like, okay, does does the character know this? Can the character do this, see mm-hmm. this, et cetera, et cetera? Rather than do I do I know what's going on? Do I see that thing over there? So trying to just sort of separate you the player versus and really step into the shoes of you your your own character and take it from that perspective mm-hmm. i mean it's kind of like what i did with marcel right like i know as 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 i got more information i'm like okay me the player realizes what's going on but i know for a fact marcel has no reason to know that information so hey dm how much <laughs> does my character know about what they're hearing right right yeah, and, and, and there's also times where like like is it even have to ask question is it a, is it appropriate based on you know what your character story is you know would they even know about that anything like when you were talking about like roll you can roll religion and see if you know about the rain I'm like I wouldn't I'm not going to roll because my character would have no concept of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's also another aspect of this that that get that happens, and that is the the 
and it's kind of rare because it, it's not really something that that happens in a lot of other hobbies, right? And that is that at the same time as you're a participant in this thing that we're doing, you're also an audience member. And so it's kind of a little bit like seeing a movie you've already seen. Like, okay, you know about certain things. And, you know, so if you're looking at a movie that you've already seen, you already know kind of what the, you know, where the, what the twist is and how it's going to be resolved and all that. So, you might just be watching it because you enjoy it, so you're watching it again. Or you might be watching it because you want to see if there were any clues that you missed or something that you didn't see on the fr- – like, so there's a d- there's different kinds of ways of being an audience, and that's that's true for RPGs as well. There's a different kind of way of being an audience if you're – because right now you're playing a, a – you're not playing a published adventure. I almost said non-written adventure, but <laughs> – so it's – you know, you're not playing something that I'm getting out of a book, right? Like, I'm pulling pieces – out of different places for locations and whatnot, but the story here is completely out of my head. It's not about something that you actually could get access to. And so, you know, so there's there's a partly an element of you don't know what's going on as a person playing a game, but then there's an element of some things sound really familiar and you might be an audience member towards seeing how I present that and like, well, how is this happening and what exactly is going to happen? And we don't really know that because unlike watching movie for the second time, you're not watching it for the second time. You're watching something that has some similar elements, but might be totally different. So there's an, there's an odd kind of audience thing going on there that happens when we talk about player knowledge versus character knowledge. And I think different people deal with it in different ways. Yeah. I mean, I I think there's also the difference between we are aware that this is a homebrew setting, um, but we're still playing D&D. So there's elements that are going to be from D&D uh-huh. that may have changed, like the Blue Goblins, et cetera, et cetera. And um, as, as, a, as a player, it's fun to kind of see how are you twisting those things? Because, like, it's fine. We're, we, I think we're players who are um, very happy with uh, homebrew changes to the base system, but it's also fun to see how those changes work. Or right. what shows up that we recognize, um, mm-hmm. or how long it takes us to recognize what things are. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some some element of oh, that's what's going on. Yeah, okay. I mean, it happened to me with the bowl last week because because mm-hmm. um, I have all the compendium unlocks on roll twenty. I was looking up, I was looking up for an elemental. So I looked up <laughs> elemental, and then mm-hmm. suddenly the list that shows up showed bowl of control. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I had that moment of like, oh. <laughs> yes. Just something he made up. It's something that's in the book. Cause, like, yeah, it yeah. could have been like, we're, mm-hmm. we know only how this one works. And yeah. there's nothing saying that that's going to work like the one in the book because this is your world, not right. Adventurous League. And, and, yeah, and most things don't work exactly. Like every single thing that might seem like it's out of the book, I've changed. Like I changed <laughs> something about it, even something very slight. Like, uh, you know, the blue goblins—they're not just different because their skin is blue, right? They're mm-hmm. they're—they have other things that they're doing. Um, and that 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 bowl of control and most of the magic items that you have are based off of a, a core item yeah. that is that is in the books but it might not work exactly or often what i do is i put drawbacks on those things right that's why when i sent you your information i said well here's the benefits of using that and here's the 
drawbacks of using that because <laughs> I want you to have all that information so you know exactly what's happening when you use that item, not just the, oh, I'm going to figure out a way to screw you over at some point <laughs> if you use that item. But like, here's what's going to happen. You know, once you've attuned to that item, here's what's going to happen when you use it because that's now known to you. Um, but it might not be exactly what's written in the book. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. And I, I honestly, I like that because it makes it more, it goes back to the player versus character, right? It makes it more possible to stay within the framework of what my character knows about this item versus what the player knows because they ran into this item in another game. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still that like uncertainty of not knowing exactly how, especially my girlfriend actually got on my case on this because we're a group of magic users. Every single one of us are (laughs) casters. Right. And we don't have identify. (laughs) We don't have identify and we have a treasure trove of items that have not been identified. (laughs) We have just been messing with them to figure them out because we do not have identify. And that's just because she, she plays so many games. She's just horrified by the idea of a whole party of magic users without identifying. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I almost took one of the magic initiate fees for the purpose of taking that. So that <laughs> maybe, if, if we make it to level 12 without blowing up <laughs> ourselves up with, by trying to see what these things do, that might, that might happen. So maybe actually, day. yeah, that brings up something that I actually had to make a decision about in this game. And that is, I could have given you those items and said, well, you, you don't have identify. You got to figure out what they do. But I, so I, I, and I knew right, right when I was thinking about those items, I thought to myself, okay, I'm either going to make you waste resources to identify them and get the information anyway, or it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to have three sessions where you're trying to figure out (laughs) what these magic items are doing. And then later on, there's a long game where you're going to come back with the consequences, but you're not going to know about them at first. Mm, Yeah. Or... Or just give you the information, right? Like, so I I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the attuning rules in 5e. Because if you attune to a magic item that is attunable, you learn everything about it. And I'm from, you know, I'm, I've been playing a long time. And I'm from, I remember games where you would have to like barely sip a potion to see what the, what it tastes like. And does it tingle or not? And try to figure out like, what's it going to do? And, you know, but there's a difference there between attunable items and non-attunable items. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, I do believe that even with non-attunable items, you can just spend a amount of downtime yeah. to study yeah. an item mm-hmm. and figure out the basic usage. But it's only the basic usage right. and, not, and not any of the drawbacks or right. possible uh, deeper usages that mm-hmm. it might have. Or like details like, oh, how many times can I use this unless right. you actually try using it? Yeah, like what we did with the water bowl, right? I mean, it's you just have to accept a, a level of tedious, like like you said, downtime or wasted game mm-hmm. time that's devoted to that. Or the end result is the magic items aren't ever going to be used because they're just going right. to sit there in a stockpile because you just don't have time in the game right. to devote to them to get to them. Well, and that's ultimately that's why I just told you all what they did, what they were, because then you can make a choice about whether to use them with all the knowledge, right? And I mean, you went kind of, sort of, because you did that for yeah. the attunement items, but all mm-hmm. the non-attunement items, we've yeah. had to test them out. And like, yeah. we have that necklace of beads, which I, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I know at least the basis of it, but using it has that risk of 
well, how do you use it? We know it's a bead. That's about it. And right. the same thing happened with a lot of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even going back to the bowl, we were like, well, let's put water in it. It looks like right. it's got water on the outside. Let's see what happens. Right, right. Well, and that was my compromise with myself, right? So mm-hmm. I told you about the most powerful items you have, and then you have a choice whether you want to use them, how you want to use them. But then I get to have a little fun. <laughs> Some of the other ones, like the, like the yeah. rods and the candles and stuff. Right. Yeah, and we like kind of too. We got like too spooked to use some of the like the candles. Like, oh, well, this, this, these have the the evil eye symbol, on, so maybe that's a bad thing, right? Yeah. Or like the rod that says stop. We we kind of assume that it stops something, but we don't know exactly what that is. So we're kind <laughs> of scared to use it. But then the, here's the down. The downside is here we are like four more sessions in, and those items haven't even been used because right. we just haven't had mm-hmm. the time to figure out what they are. And yeah. so there's a, there's a good chance that the entire campaign could go on and we wouldn't use them. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, because at the point where it might come into use, we have to make that split second decision of Mm -hmm. do I risk trying to use this untested item and hope that our guess is correct. Right. Right. And that's honestly what I really like about it is because I almost used that rod. But I was like, if this backfires, we could be just done. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that almost makes it more fun. Just Mm -hmm. that like added risk element. And that just might be like. Right. My personal so, opinion, but I, I, I'll I'll tell you this: that to make the decision about whether to tell you or not, one of the things that I thought about was um, I gave you things that you could use, right? I didn't give you anything that is absolutely necessary for the game, unless I told you all the details of it. Mm-hmm. So anything that I didn't give you a lot of details, eh, you could use it. You cannot use it. It's not going to like, it's not going to be a case where, you know, like, you know, uh, David saying, well, that we could go the whole game and not use a couple of those rods. Sure. Yeah. It's not going to change anything. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you decide to use them, it'll change any, it'll change something. It'll change whatever's happening then. And you, then you'll learn what it does, but not using it is not going to, in other words, it's not a locked door, right? It's not that if you don't use it suddenly, Oh, well you went the whole time and you didn't win the game because you know, you, yeah. you didn't have, you didn't use that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that was one of, that was one of the, the things I thought about actually as, as I was making that decision of what to tell you. I can't wait to use the beans to try and get some of the birds to come towards us. <laughs> oh, all the random things that those are going to do. Funny. No, but I think, I think it'll be fun to like, even if we don't use all of them, like at the end of the game, if we're like, oh, what did this item do? Then just go back and think about how much easier life would have been. <laughs> if we tried this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that would be fun. And even if we use it like later in the game, like, oh my god, we could have used that to sneak on this boat or get away from this person, like Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Remember that time we almost used it and how much it would have fucked us over? Right, 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 right. So I think that's just like being an audience member, just like knowing like having that information now, mm -hmm. just like, oh, that would have been way better, way easier but it's still like a funny thing and it still makes this like amusing and like fun to yeah. just figure it out so like i i i i have a sort of pseudo policy and that is at the end of at the end of something i don't tell you stuff that you missed right like i oh. like I, like if my if my party goes through a dungeon and they miss like five secret doors and a whole oh. you know hoard of treasure i don't I don't come back and say, well, you missed these secret doors and you missed like 10,000 gold. Like, I don't, I don't do that. 
Because yeah, it, it, does, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't it, it doesn't do it any yeah it doesn't do any good to tell you well here's what you missed right like then it then it just makes people feel stupid like oh I I missed a clue or I I missed something I should have paid attention to and that's not actually helpful right like that doesn't I guess so okay yeah, yeah. no I understand that but I will say yeah I'm a I'm a terrible DM in that if if something interesting <laughs> was skipped because they decided to go another way not so much like oh you missed this gold mm-hmm. or whatever unless it was something really interesting or something i like sharing the like interesting stuff that they missed mm-hmm. afterwards so that they can at least know a, like afterwards yeah. that hey there's this thing that you guys missed so i'm sharing it with you now kind of thing right right not yeah, like yeah. oh haha you missed this it would have been cool yeah i mean i and i i i'm not it's not a judgment that i think oh you shouldn't do that or whatever it's just more about <laughs> like my st- like cuz here's the thing like playing old school um like the whole point of the game of an old school dungeon crawl is go through and try to find every single thing. So that's yeah. why you're using 10 foot poles. You're, you yep. know, sending chickens in to, to trip all the traps and sheep, you, sheep down yeah, hallway, yeah, you've got your hirelings. D&D. Right. And, and the whole point of that is, so, you know, if there's a crystal sticking out of a wall, you're going to touch it. Somebody's going to have to touch it. It might not be one of the PCs. You might send a hireling to do it. Cause you got to figure out what that thing does. Cause you don't leave anything untouched. But that's yeah. a very old school, like dungeon crawly way to play. It's a certain style of play, and I, I love it because that's how I started. But like, that's not how Fifth Edition really runs. Fifth Edition is a, a different game than that. So there's no real like, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's a it 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 comes up it comes up a lot in in our in Dungeon of the Mad Mage because it's it's based off of an early dungeon crawl right. yep. game. So it is a very vast crawling dungeon full of things to find mm-hmm. but the first my group the first two levels they mapped out every nook and cranny because one of their right. characters basically had a job from the Zinterim to map out the dungeon right. so they on purpose because they were mapping it out knew which areas they hadn't gone to and went to them and explored every mm-hmm. every last corner to get the full map right well, and part of that game back then was you mapped so that you could see where there was like a, an end of a passageway and you might not find the mm-hmm. secret door. But when you look at the map overall, after you're almost you're done, missing a chunk. you could yeah. see where you're missing places. There might be a secret door there. There might, you know, and that's part of the yeah. game. That's part yeah, of the it's way like, to play the it's game. It's like based on stuff I've drawn, there should be one. Like we, I'm, I'm in a group playing Ghost, running Ghost, Ghost of Salt Marsh, which mm-hmm. is another kind of update of a lot of yep. older older type of adventures and yeah we're there's we just did a part that's in the kind of in the middle of it because it has that very old school type of feeling you know yeah you're checking every hallway you're checking right. every door and yeah in, and they're all set up to be traps to fall on you and squish you for for right. taking the effort to ex- in, investigate every different one exactly. thing i was gonna say if, if you don't tell if you don't tell one benefit of not telling the players what the things that they missed or overlooked means that you can re- reuse them again in your next game and they don't right. have any idea what's coming right mm-hmm. right i i, I I will say it, it it ends up being a very different game because for those two first floors, it felt a bit like a slug because there's a mm-hmm. lot of, again, because this is an updated version, there's not as many traps. The first right. two levels have maybe three traps on them and it took them like months to go through those two levels. Now they're going through levels like one a session. Right. And they're seeing maybe 10% of a level because they have they're going more for the story part and less for the exploring the dungeon part right so there there's places they want to go to there's places they've heard of deeper down so they're only looking for how to get deeper down into the dungeon 
unless right. something happens to grab their attention, they they're zooming past levels now. And yeah. honestly, it's a very different field. It has its ups and downs. I think fifth edition is better with the zooming past because we're following story beats rather than let's explore every nook and cranny because because it's a fifth edition module every nook and cranny isn't interesting. There's a few mm -hmm. nooks and crannies that are interesting. The rest are just a slug. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. The other, I mean, the other, the other benefit of skipping a lot of stuff is, you know, the more you skip past, the more random encounters you avoid, potentially the more resources you are able to save for like the things that really matter, like the, the areas you really want to go to. Okay. Okay. We don't, we're not going to look down every single hallway and maybe fight 50 different times and waste all of our spells and potions and whatnot before we even get to the thing that we're shooting mm -hmm. for. We're right. just going to aim yeah. for that. Yeah, that yeah. that's partly why I've, I I was trying to bring up a couple times like, hey, I could just use, again just use gates and maybe not have to slug through this whole city that we <laughs> have no idea what's in. But, yeah, and that this actually but connects, I don't want to take away the DM's fun either. So yeah, but th this actually connects right back to that player knowledge versus DM knowledge or versus character knowledge because and versus DM knowledge, but um, because there's also an aspect of some of those old school dungeons if you played through them. And then you went through them again and nothing, and it was just played as written. Like you would know where that stuff was. And so that's hard to not, you know, oh, I know there's a trap down there. I'm going to specifically search, or I know there's a door over there. I'm going to specifically search because I've done that before as a player, not as a character. It's really hard to not do that when you're doing that old school dungeon type thing. But when you're playing on story beats, it's a lot easier in a way to say, well, my character doesn't know that. And so I'm just going to ignore that place because there's no reason for us to go down there anyway. Let's follow the story and go this way. Um, you know, give or take, it's just a different style of game. It's a, it's literally a different game. What we actually had to do because uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage had the first level as a preview on Roll20 before mm. the release of the book. Mm -hmm. And because I have a subscription, we were able to play it. And so we did it as a one shot. Right, And then the same, pretty much the same group that did the one shot participated in the now campaign version. Right. So what I decided to do was what happened in the one shot, canon. Nice. That's a nice. previous group yeah. that went through. Right. And that meant that the second group that went through found a bunch of dead bodies in right. a bunch of different right. places and places that with, were actually right. looted. Had to deal yeah. with the mess that the first group already yeah, went yeah. through. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's perfect. That's the way to do it, right? That's that's yeah. the perfect resolution for that. They yeah. ended up following yeah. the tracks of the first group to <laughs> the they had stopped right before a door. Yeah. That had a bunch of monsters in it. So I had them go through that door. <laughs> oh, no. And find nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Only one of the of the original I made survive, and to this day I probably regret it because the one magic item she had picked was a cloak of displacement. Oh. And she gifted that to the party for saving her life and going, escorting her nice. back out. Cloak of yeah. displacement, bane of my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David, you're quiet. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I just think the play agency thing is, it's a trap, really, when it comes down to it. I, I haven't had a whole lot of good experiences with it, just because I think it's a it's a situation you want to try to avoid at all costs, because mm -hmm. what you're really, you have competing selfish interests. And so now you're kind of weighing how individuals deal with the selfish drive for their character. And, you know, to hope that multiple people will be able to e meet evenly in the middle, it's, it rarely happens. I think at some point you have 
it's a tug of war and someone's pulling harder than the other generally mm -hmm. in my experience. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's just a, a situation where things can go, go wrong. I think for the party and the game, I, it, I just see it as potential bad fr area for friction. Mm -hmm. uh, you mean when one person wants something and wants to force sure. the other players to do it? Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, it can go multiple yeah. ways. Yeah, one person can try to use the information to force the other party to mm. do one thing, or one person can use the information to you know hurt the other character to benefit themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, a short side note, I know we're yeah. running a little late, but um, came across that in my current campaign because mm. we just had a player kind of enter the game and she wants her backstory to tie in with another person's backstory. And okay. uh, my brother is actually, um, he came to me and he said that he felt like his character was being written for him. So I felt like it was my job as the DM to sit both of them down and be like, okay, what do you want to happen? What do you want to happen? And it's my job to kind of combine the two and make it make sense so that they both kind of can collaborate while still getting like, it, it's, it's still hard and I'm still trying to work yeah. it out but they both are kind of, it's, it's hard. So yeah. I can see where that can become an issue. Luckily they're both good friends and we're all good friends. So it's like, okay, yeah, we can work it out. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Cause that's but, the problem, right? They're not really collaborating. It's not like they're writers in the writer's room trying to work together to write a right. TV show. They they have competing interests that they're both trying to, you know, get out of it. Right. Um, I mean, I think at that point, what you did is the important part, sitting them down and being like, mm -hmm. okay, we're going to work this out. Talk. <laughs> yeah. 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 At some level, if there's strife or conflict amongst the group, if that's leading to behavior of a player that is disruptive to the group or that's that's hurtful to the group or, or that, that makes someone not have as much fun, then... Yeah that's when you take, you can't, you can't resolve that in game. You have to resolve that outside of game. So yeah, you did yeah. exactly the right thing. Yeah. But you won't know that unless it goes to an extreme. Right. I mean, yeah, there, are yeah. many, there are many micro yeah. versions of that where that's happening all the time where people are fe feeling that, that effect or pressure, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. It's not like they don't verbalize it or it doesn't come up. Yeah. There, there's a lot of give and take there that like how much, how much can, how much are you willing to take in terms of compromises because someone else's, wants mm -hmm. to do something mm -hmm. and then yeah i think at that point it's also important as a player to recognize hey if you're feeling like if the frust if you feel frustration building it's time to talk to the dm about it so that you don't start like turning it into aggression during game time mm -hmm. or just losing interest in the game or losing right. interest in the game because yeah sure the dm can help with that kind of thing but only if they know that it's happening and a lot mm -hmm. of people tend to not in these games like it's one of the main things you you go on reddit and there's a lot of people who are like hey this is happening in my game and i'm so frustrated about it and everyone's like talk to your dm right. <laughs> yeah right step yeah. one talk to your dm <laughs> <laughs> yeah dm it's can't solve the problem if they don't know it yeah exists. it's hard though right because now we're talking about interpersonal communication and mm -hmm. yeah. honestly a lot of people just aren't good at it and i'm not i'm not i'm not playing on that stereotype of you know people you know certain type certain you know like you know there's that whole horrible stereotype of gamers in the basement and they they're socially inept and all that I, that's all bs right i'm not even talking about that i'm just talking about people people in general are not good at interpersonal communication. I mean, 
I'm a professor at a small college and half of my colleagues aren't good at talking to other people and they're freaking teachers, you know? I mean, it's just, it's a thing, right? Like lots of people just don't have the skill set to talk to other people in a way that is fulfilling to both parties. You know what I mean? Especially if there's a conflict and if somebody has conflicting feelings about something, so many of us are taught to be conflict averse and just, it's not, you're not allowed to hit a problem head on. And that's actually something I struggle with. I'm conflict averse either. I don't like fights. I'm not, I'm not from a family that yells and screams and gets it all out and then everybody hugs and you're done. Like I'm a very, I'm from a quiet, like when you have a problem, you talk about it, but you shouldn't be letting it get to the point where, where the conflict is so heated that there's really strong emotions because then you're holding it in and then you're you're seething. You know what I mean? Like there's, that's such a fine balance. And look, I'm 45 years old and I still work on that. Like I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with myself and other people. And like, so I think it's, it's just a lot to expect from other people just to be able to communicate with others. And, but that's why you see all those Reddit threads. Well, here's what's happening. And I don't know what to do. You got to talk to somebody. You have to talk. And that's the only answer in most of those cases. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes people don't get along and it doesn't matter if you talk to them. It's just not a good mesh. There's just something wrong with the group or with the people that are in the group aren't able to work together as well. And, sometimes you have to leave a group like that's just that's how it happens and i know a lot of people don't ever like to go to that extreme but i've kicked people's people out of groups before you know i think i I think it happens more uh it's it becomes more dangerous when it's an in-person group because mm -hmm. then you have that feeling of well but where else am i going to go right these are this is the only group near me that i can play with so Mm -hmm. if i leave then then i'm left with no game Right. And And a lot of people are like, hey, no game better than bad game. Right, right. But if those are if those are also the people you consider your friends, right, like that's a friend loss as well. Yeah, it's like if you've got good relationships out with each other outside of the outside of the game, like it's it's work or whatever you you see and interact with those people on a regular basis, like at work, school, whatever. Um, that's like okay, how does how you potentially put a kink in those relationships just because you know something something going wrong in the game? Yeah. And I had a situation where I was DMing um, about. I want to see at least a year, a year and a half ago. Essentially, like had a player that was just was losing interest, was not showing up. I basically had to say, look, I just doesn't. It just doesn't seem like you know you're still interested in this. That you want to continue. I, and I'm just. I don't think it's going to just. I don't think it's a good. I don't think it's good. Be a good idea that you continue with this, but that doesn't mean that I want that to change the the rest of our relationship. And that and we and we generally were able to keep it the same. He eventually moved uh, moved away, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the most part, I think we still are able to have a fairly good relationship despite despite that because of the way I said, hey, I made a point to say, hey, look, I don't want this to affect the rest of our relationship. This just means, you know, this activity just isn't isn't a good thing for us to do together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm afraid I made it sound like, oh, these horrible people have to be kicked out of a game. And that's not sometimes people do just lose interest, but then they feel guilty. Right. And they don't want to let someone else down. Right. They have they feel guilty about that or they feel bad about letting someone else down. So it's easier to just kind of ignore that and, oh, I won't deal with it and that problem will go away. But really, it's just making it worse because people don't know what's going on. And yeah, it's it's hard. 
It's hard. But I mean, sometimes play styles don't ma- mesh. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be best friends, but if someone wants to look for every nook and cranny and the other one wants to go after story, they're going <laughs> right. to butt heads. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, I think uh, that is a good place to end. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, and thank you to my players again. And I think we can all say goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.